This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jarrett Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're being crucified for speaking common sense while watching spine number 62 in the Criterion Collection. Maybe 61. I don't know. Terry Uh-oh. Jones is Life of Brian from 1979. But first, RJ, is it smoky enough out there for you? Ooh, man. You know, usually I'm a pretty big fan of that hot smoke, but uh, or free smoke, as Drake puts it, I believe. Hmm. But uh, our neighboring province is on fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, The mountains are know, on fire. The mountains are on fire, and we're getting the smoke. So it's not good for anybody. It's... Way to start a, a fun show with a downer, dude. <laughs> All these homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All the wildlife that's like probably been destroyed. Ooh, actually, yeah. So there's an interesting farmer take on that. Uh, all the cattle, the RCMP, RCMP are just cutting the fences so the cattle can run. There's like, I think there's like 60,000 or something. Or no, that's way too much. Like 30,000 or something uh, of just different people's cattle just all running together because they're they're fleeing. So <gasps> if anything's alive at the end, they're going to have to do a lot of sorting. Mm-hmm. Hope them bad boys are branded. <laughs> and that's where you, you know come what, in. Know what I'm reading? Yeah, bring them all to Baylog Auction Market uh, Services Incorporated, Creepsville, Alberta. We'll you'll, sort them out you'll, for you'll, you. You'll brand the shit out of those things. Yeah, and we'll sort them too. Mm-hmm. The full auction market deal. Well, it's spine number sixty-one, by the way. Sixty-one. Well, yeah. why did you mess that up? I don't know. Man, we look like amateur chumps. I, I'm so excited because of you. for sixty. Because that's my comic file number. That I'm like, maybe it's next, next, next one. No, it's not. Do you know what my comic file number is? I do. It's this one. It's this one. Yeah. So way to go, you selfish jerk. Mm-hmm. And now everyone feels alienated because we're talking about things that they don't really know about at, at, at again. A, at a small town comic book store that they'll never yeah. see in their lives. Where you where you have a number instead of a name. Mm-hmm. Go back to Russia. Am I right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Jared's drinking some pop now. Man, this is a bad episode. This is going to be the worst, the worst listen to one we have yet, I think. Some delicious Diet Coke. And I've heard that yeah. uh, apparently whatever's in this is going to kill me, but that's Aspartame? okay. Aspartame? Yeah. Hey, man, that's not news. I know that was hot news this week. Everyone's like, ooh, artificial sweeteners. They're going to make you fat and kill you. And it's like, yeah, they've known that for like 20 years. Well, they Dude. don't even they don't even know that. They don't even just know that. They're just like, well, we know in four over a course of 40 years, it's like, yeah, there's no other factors, none. That, uh, anything that you've eaten for 40 years that might be causing problems. Well, uh, I can lay this down on you straight, Jared. I have a master's degree in science. Aspartame is bad. Strips <laughs> the fucking calcium off your bones, baby. <laughs> I, I think. No. <laughs> How? What? Look it up. You look it up. We'll talk about it. It'll be a Criterion movie one day about how aspartame is bad, and it's gonna have uh, Steve Buscemi drinking a Diet Coke, and it's just <laughs> doing gonna a be podcast. Bad news. Doing a podcast, yeah. Which is, uh, I think, what he does now. Yeah. No, he still acts. Yeah, he's around. He still acts. He's around. Anyway, yeah. So life goes on. Life goes on. You're right about that, baby. Mm-hmm. Everything's and dandy you- in your neck of the woods. 
Yeah, I was trying to think of some cool stories for you. Um, the only thing really relevant to the show is I almost had an accident in my pants the other day. It was pretty close. It was really close. It's one of the closest I've ever been. Why? I don't know. It just mm. happened. But yeah. that's all. How about you, man? How's your life? Uh... It's just it's just a blur. Every I can't believe it's a Wednesday. Every time we talk, it's just kind of like what happened mm. to Thursday, what happened to Friday and Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. Oh my God, it feels like my own personal hell sometimes. You live such a rock and roll lifestyle <laughs> that the, the days fly by. Hey, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I think it's because you're an old ass man, mm. and the older you get, the faster time goes. I think. Hey, yeah, I'm the oldest 33 year old man you'll meet. Man, you're fine 82 if I if you're 33. <laughs> What's that expression? I don't know. Going on. Going on. Going on 82. What? There, no, you know that one where it's like you're 82 if you're a day. Oh my god, I don't know. Well, whatever. <sighs> you're, you're an old ass man. Anyway. Yeah. Hey RJ, what have you been creeping Yo. on this week? Ooh, girl. We have some creeping this week. Mm-hmm. A lot of creeping, actually. Oh, yeah. But, this, uh, this, this is a heavy flow. A heavy. This is a heavy flow of an episode. You got that right, baby. Like, I have to, like, I'm um, cutting back because, like, I don't know what happened. Um, like, the last few months, I, I definitely cut way back. Like, I was, like, mm-hmm. not making a point. Like, I would watch a movie every day. And then if I have, like, a day off, I'm going to watch, like, four or five movies that day. Like, uh-huh. you know, I, I was doing that at one point, And I cut way back. And then that all changed this weekend. <laughs> Well, what changed? Well, uh, this is jumping around a little bit. Uh, in news this week, one uh, director of note uh, that I think we all love is George Romero. He died mm-hmm. 77. I've seen some people describe it as a tragedy. I'd hardly <laughs> call it that. Uh, he was 77 years old, and he was like a lifelong smoker, and he died of lung cancer. It's yeah. kind of – he signed up for it. I'm sure that so it's like calling yeah. it a tragedy. It sucks, but it's not a tragedy either. Yeah, it sucks. Unless you're unless I, you're like his wife and daughter, it's like for you and me, it's like oh, yeah. Well, I heard I heard that, and this is total hearsay and a rumor, but I heard that he died listening to his favorite soundtrack with his wife. Yes, uh, the and Quiet like Man. The Quiet Man. I feel like that's a pretty good way to go. No, seventy-seven is not bad. I mean. It's not 97, mm-hmm. but it's it's okay. But Am yeah, right? yeah. So I mean, like I mean, like, and I don't know if the whole tragedy thing too is just like. Well, I mean, he's done more as a filmmaker than many can even say they have. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he's made like some bona fide classics that'll be watched far far beyond the, his death, and uh, I'm sure many people watch them, including us. Including us, yeah. yeah. So we we did some major creeping this week, but I'll get to those after because oh. I feel I feel like you're gonna have something to say about those. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so you know what I watched this week? What did you watch this week? Well, a couple weeks ago I watched all those old Planet of the Apes movies, mm-hmm. as did you. And this week I watched all those new Planet of the Ape movies. Right. So uh, we rise in the dawn. Rise and dawn and war, baby. Oh, um, what's this? You you went to the new one. I went to the new one. I believe we went to the new one together unless what? you had a stroke and you forgot. <laughs> oh, that was you beside me. Oh, yeah. That guy who uh, was wearing the trench coat and there was a lot of motion. Yeah. yeah. And there was yeah, a, there, and, 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 and I think there was even like this third guy. 
there was a third guy there. He was uh, weeping though the whole movie, which I don't blame him. Yeah, yeah, that was a uh, listener, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he came in unannounced, sat by me, tried to get in my corn. It was a total invasion of privacy and mm-hmm. space. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so I watch these movies, and I mean. The first two, they're kind of old news because they're old movies. But you know what? I like these movies, man. It's like how we were saying before. I really like this franchise for, well, I guess one, because I think they're really good movies, actually. Mm -hmm. Even the worst ones are still good movies. But two, uh, I don't know what it is. I really, like, identify with these for some reason Mm. because I'm a a slave ape, I guess, or something. Mm. No, I think it's my animal rights movements and uh, the fact that I did – uh, animal studies for so long that I really these movies are kind of like my dream how I really wish the world went like I, I don't even care like I, I would be the guy who dies from the booger disease like instantly like I don't even have to be one of the the drifters who's like interacting with all the cool apes I would if it could happen I would I would be the booger guy take one for the team yeah so that everyone else can go live in a in a nice society <laughs> Where ape don't kill ape. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched Rise of the Planet of the Apes. So this trilogy, the first one was Rupert Wyatt, I think, who hasn't really done a whole lot. He did yeah, a few things. Yeah, I don't even like. I, I was just in my mind. It's just like, oh, Rupert or Matt Reeves has directed them all, but that's not true. No, it's not. So there was a guy who did Rupert Wyatt, and the only other things he did was that Gambler movie with Mark Wahlberg, and something called oh. The Escapist. Oh. With uh, fucking Brian Cox, which sounds cool. I, I'd watch it for Brian Cox, but yeah, this guy didn't really do much. I don't know why he came back. Maybe it was difficult. Maybe he just didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, I really liked the first movie. Yeah. Uh, I, when it came out, I saw it in theaters, and I really liked it then also. I think it's like, I think it's almost a great movie, but there's some really cheesy stuff in it too that I think really bring it down. Right. Like, I love the setup, like as a, a prequel for the whole series. I love the idea of like these lab animals being used and the progression of the story, like where they kind of lead things that kind of set it all up the uh, the two sequels right. and like how they kind of build off of what this movie did. Um, I love that. I love the characters like Caesar, man. He's he's a cool dude. Maurice. Mm-hmm. Maurice is my main man. I mm-hmm. love that guy. Um, but then there's stuff in this movie that I don't really like. Like, um, I think the dialogue is really bad at sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think the, so the worst part about this movie is that it feels like to me, at least it feels like they're trying to catch the audience up on stuff that they've literally just shown you. Like there's one scene where I think they show like the progression of time really well, where it's Caesar like climbing through the trees and you see him aging and the seasons are changing and it's very obvious that time has passed. But then there's this very like out of place titles or like text come up. It's like five years later and you're like, oh, yeah, that's weird. And then in the next scene, James Frank was like, oh, man those five years really blew by and you're just like, you're like, no one, that's like not natural conversation. Why is that in here? Like, it's very obvious that time went by. Right. And and then they do stuff like that again, like all the time where James Franco is doing his science uh, documentary and he's just like, uh, he's like, Oh, I think the, I think the uh, serum has transferred into the chimp who's now five and he can talk. And it's like, well, yeah, no shit, man. Like, that's the entire fucking movie. What do you, 
you don't have to say those things. So I don't think that's like I don't think that's the director's fault or right. even necessarily the script's fault. I feel like maybe they like made the d- guys do this because they thought that people are dumb or something. Well, they they know that people are dumb. They know that hmm. people are dumb. So I don't I, like I don't think I'm the smartest guy either, but I noticed it a lot, and I was just like, man come on and then like there's scenes with a neighbor where he's fighting alzheimer's john lithgow and he's like i'm a pilot how am i gonna get to the airport i have to fly planes and he like says all three of those things and you're just like jesus man you didn't have to say all of that you could have just been like hey you smashed my car how am i gonna get to work instead but they needed it for the end i guess i don't know man um it sounds like I'm shitting on this, but I actually do like this movie quite a bit. I think it's really good. There's just stuff like that that I think is shitty. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like it. Out of the uh, all these new ones, I think it's up there. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best one. Hmm. Maybe, uh, but I also think the third one was pretty good too. So what about the second one you asked, Jared? Dawn? Yes, I ask. What about you Dawn? Ask? Uh, well, I've, I've mentioned, as I've mentioned before, my uh, viewing was not tainted, but a little bit biased because before I went to it, a friend had told me that their their one word review of this movie was trite, and I was just like, oh, okay. Hmm. So then I went to it, and then all I could see was, um, I was just like, I guess it's not very necessary. Any of the things that are happening, yeah. maybe it is trite, and uh, but. So I, I only saw it the one time in theaters, and I watched it again this week. Uh, and I liked it a lot more than I did the first time, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I think it was also it helps that I watched the whole franchise. And uh, these these three new movies, I think, do a really good job of carrying over themes and ideas from the original franchise. And especially, it, we've said like in the last episode or the one before, we were talking about how... Uh, Dawn is basically just a remake of Battle of the Planet of the Apes. Right. And I, I, I do still think that. Like, it's not, There's not something... like, shot for shot yeah, remake. But yeah, it does, it does follow very similar storylines. Well, because, I mean, there's, like, those beats are kind of spread out between Dawn and War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's just because Dawn, I think, has the, the uh, it has those ideas of, like, the apes fighting amongst themselves, like, with Koba and Caesar, and then Koba trying to kill Caesar where in battle it's like the gorilla kills Caesar's son mm-hmm. or not Caesar, but uh, no, yeah, it is Caesar. Uh, he like kills the leader, a, a chimp's son. So it's like th- things like that. And then in the background, there's those bands of like misfit humans causing, causing a ruckus. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you're, yeah, you're right. Like these new ones are somewhat remakes of battle mm-hmm. and conquest in a way. Um, but Conquest is the best one, so that's not a bad thing. They do it, I think for the most part, they do it well. So I didn't really talk about the second one, but I liked it more than I did the first time I watched it. I that's do think good. it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the ending falls a little flat because it kind of falls into that, um, that kind of trap that a lot of these newer movies have where it's like good guy versus bad guy in big climat- climatic showdown. Mm. See, like Caesar Koba. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like the real battles from within. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's doing the uh, the old Dark Knight 
uh, trick where it's like, uh, and then it's like pushing the hero to his brink. And this is like, yep. Mm-hmm. It's just like the Transformer stuff, which I haven't even seen, but when I've had it explained and like just the stuff, I think it was like Reller Media, they like laid out like kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, like Optimus Prime is just like this like violent psychopath who just beats the shit out of people. And he's supposed to be like, the, like this Christ figure. <laughs> and yeah. like, that's sort of exactly what's up happening with Caesar too, is like, mm-hmm. he's kind of positioned as this sort of like savior figure, like a Moses Christ kind of thing um, for the ape age. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so like in this one or in the dawn, nothing like I like, like I liked rise. Uh, I thought it was like mm-hmm. a very enjoyable type of like that for that type of movie. It's like yep. very enjoyable. I like it. Dawn. I feel pretty well the same way though. I think I really didn't like the ending where he just like he right. kills Koba and it's like, cause he's a, cause he's a badass. He kills mm-hmm. folk. And then, um, yeah, and then War of the Planet of the Apes, which we'll, we haven't, we'll start talking about, mm-hmm. I guess, is, um, I don't know, it felt like Dark Knight Rises at times. Like, if it's like kind of sure. the, the uh, two, they have too many things they want to do for a th- the third part of the series. So they have like, mm-hmm. we got to have the big battles. We're going to have a big battle to start off the movie, and then we're going to have like a slow build up to the big ba- big battle at the very, very end. And so like, there's a lot of contrivance to get there. And I'll, right. I'll just say this. It's like, I at the end of the day, I did like War for the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought it was like, decent um yeah. but there was some stuff in it that i just can't ignore <laughs> yeah no I, I i i get that totally um so just the last thing i'll say in dawn is where i think the ending makes you feel like that because like what you're saying you're like well he's the hero but he, he like had to do it and i do think they handled it better than 90 percent of movies like that though because in the third one you do kind of see the the effects of that where he's still kind of struggling with those decisions. So yeah. I do think they handle it well. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, so we, we saw war this yeah. weekend, oh, which yeah. is a hot new movie. Yeah. So, Oh yeah. The other thing I'll add to is I think like uh, on the car ride after the theater, I've made some comment like that, like yep. Dawn's ending was like kind of like a asterisk for me because it all right. depended on how it carried over war with how like, mm-hmm. is he just like going to be indifferent to the fact that they killed Cove or is he going to be guilt ridden and like, weighed down yep. by that and they they did carry it over uh so it was like mm-hmm. a central plot point which was nice because sometimes movies just go fuck it <laughs> he's like yeah, yeah no exactly that's what i mean like 90 percent of movies like like this and when i mean like this i mean like franchise movies basically because i think these movies are way better than any of the franchise or action movies that usually come out so m- movies like franchise actioners like this 90 percent of them don't <laughs> I don't think they care enough to try to address those things or they do, but they do it in like a bad way or they're just not good at it. So I, d- I did think they addressed it well. And so I thought that you and me would kind of go out ahead for war of the planet head to head for this uh-huh. because my initial response, uh, I left the theater. I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And then I think your first response was, Hey, isn't that just like Logan? The uh, the storyline isn't that just like Logan, which which to be fair, like it is similar. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I think this movie started like three years ago, and they've just been doing effects for the last year well, and a half. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. okay. Maybe, so, maybe they did it first. I don't. Okay. I, I don't yeah. know. So my comment, like, because like I started like realizing what was going on, like right at the end of the movie, when I'm like, yeah, I, I just saw this movie this year, right? Like yeah. they're they're like off in like the wilderness, and it's like they've they've saved the people, they've brought them to for like, and your bigger like kind of central character, your Caesar, your Logan character, yeah. he, and then uh, spoilers, people for who are going to watch. 
metaphor for the planet of the apes. Uh, Caesar dies. He succumbs to his wound, and mm. uh, that's the end of the movie. It's not like it's not like even like I didn't feel one way or another about him. It was just kind of like, oh yeah, that's that. Like I don't know. I, I never. I, I, so, I yeah. But it's like I think I, I, think, I had that response. Yeah, I kind of I, like, I, I felt bad. Really? Okay. I, I did. Just, yeah. I, I was kind of just like, yeah. I don't know. It, he never. I felt his characterization was a bit more nothing in the third movie. Like I sure. felt that like, but it's, I also hadn't just rewatched the movies, so I didn't really right. maybe feel that that arc uh, going into yeah. this. This like it's been I don't know two years since I watched Dawn because like I never watched either of the other ones in theater or anything like that. I caught up with them after the fact, and I like them both. Uh, and I like this movie okay too, but there's just like stuff in it that like I'm like oh why do move why do scriptwriters do that like mm-hmm. why did why did they shoot that shot the way that they did like the one in particular that really bugged me was uh, when our uh, the the posse if you will, because uh, this movie kind of actually for the first half hour uh, is almost like going to turn into a Western until they abandon that, which sucked. Um, mm-hmm. There's like a scene where they're following the humans way too closely, mm-hmm. <laughs> like ridiculously close. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And it's like, are they just, sh- did they just shoot this? Because there are go, oh, people are dumb and like, they don't realize how close that is. Right. But there's a guy like two seats over from me who are like, uh, are they following a little close? <laughs> And I'm like, okay, it's not just me. Like, it's okay. like, it's really like, what the fuck? Like, why did they do that? Like, yeah, it's so like, why? Like, it's just goofy. Maybe, maybe it's like the dialogue in the first movie, which is like, oh, geez, time sure flies. Hey, guys. Yeah. Well, it would be like too confusing to like, oh, like they people won't be able to watch the movie and realize that they're following the humans following if we don't show the humans on the screen at the same time as the apes. It's like, right. what the hell? It's like, you just show track on the ground and head mm-hmm. and then they're following like at a discreet distance it's like even though they're apes I'm sure they understand the idea of like cover and like staying yeah. out, of, like, out of senses and then like there's the yeah it's it's so odd and then there's like the bit where uh, they just uh, they hear gunfire and they're like what are they shooting at and I'm like well I'd assume that like they're shooting at you because you're following so closely but they weren't because they're just blind yeah. I guess um, but like just like stuff like that where I'm like why did they do decide to go that route um, the other, uh, bit that was like, made me kind of laugh. And I think like other people in the theater also kind of reacted. So it doubled down for me. The like oddness was the, yeah. like the big secure, like military base, uh, mm-hmm. that's like guarded by like, I don't know, dozens of like, uh, you know, survivors of this like post-apocalypse, like veterans, like fighting apes in the, in the, mm-hmm. in the woods and fighting other humans. Uh, this like, what? 10 year old girl just like walks right through the complex without being seen like no making no attempt to mm-hmm. hide just she just walks through and no one sees her and it's like what the hell like why basically everything with nova is crap i hey, may, maybe it's the superman uh like idea where he wears his glasses and people don't see because mm. people don't see what's right in front of them yeah Huh? That that wall, that wall they're building, that that, like, wall. that, that doesn't yeah. look like it would stop anything. Like it didn't even look finished, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, what was the point of the wall? Like other than we have to keep the apes alive, uh, so they so they don't just get mowed down when they get caught, because we have to have a contrived escape sequence where he has yeah. to save a bunch of apes. So we're going to have all the apes all kept alive to build a wall, even though they have mm-hmm. no food or water, and they're just going to be killed in every. It's just like okay, <laughs> like <clears throat> I don't know. There's yeah. so much that they they, they could have stripped out a lot of that unnecessary yeah. third movie stuff that movies feel like they have to have and and wound up with a better thing like i said like when the movie starts out 
mm-hmm. it's like this it's a revenge western and it's like oh that's fantastic like what a cool idea i was so sucked in and like mm-hmm. he's joined by fellow apes and they're they're on horses and they're going to ride out and get revenge it's like that's great what a cool idea and then they just like abandon that and then it just turns into yeah. like oh it's like a, a prison movie a prison escape thing what <laughs> it's like but it's yeah. like why would they be held captive to build this shitty wall that wouldn't stop anything okay that just, it makes no sense mm. um yeah i i know i know i understand like those comments like i get it because that stuff it like when you do like kind of analyze it it's just like yeah i guess i guess not but um honestly when when i was watching it i didn't really question it that much i was just uh you know one of those hot phrases people say i was along for the ride sure yeah it, like i don't know i thought this movie did a really got, good job of it kind of it brought me in I was invested in it. And it's like I was saying before, I think watching the first two before did me a favor because it kind of put me into the mindset of it again. And I think there's a continuity between all three of them. They do a really good job of relating certain elements back and touching back on ideas that they bring up in previous installments. Mm -hmm. And all three of them kind of, they have similar themes. They work similar ideas. They address uh, they handle the original series well. They bring up some of those ideas, and I feel like it. The third one, I I do think it does a really good job at tying up certain loose ends, where things that they bring up in the first one and the second one, where it's like, all right, where's that going to go? I thought they addressed it well, Such and as? then they leave. Um. Well, so I I do like the way that they handled like uh, how humans kind of just become nothing and dying out like i really liked in the first one where it's kind of just like a disease kills everyone right so they kind of mm. change it where i think in the fir- in the original movie you it's like a nu- you you think it's like nukes or something because when you go through the desert and it's like electricity or so- that was kind of the vibe i got at least i was like mm-hmm. oh it's it because they talk about how humans destroyed the world and i was like i i feel like at that time that was when they were in cold war type stuff so they kind of thought it would be nukes but for these new for the new one there's more there's scarier things like biological warfare and stuff like that and even un, mm-hmm. unintentional ones like cures for alzheimer's that go bad so i do like how in the first one they brought up this thing where it was like a disease or a cure for something but it affects humans differently and it killed off a bunch of them and then in the second one they kind of build on that a little bit where there's some people who who are immune but they don't really know like they do there. I can't remember exactly what it is, but they talk about this illness a little bit. And then in the third one, it's kind of the progression of that even mm-hmm. more so where it, it makes them mute. But then it also shows the inverse of that in the apes where it's making them smarter and they're mm-hmm. learning to talk where I, apparently it's changing the physiology, like the actual <laughs> physical structures, yeah. which is like. It's like, whatever, if I was going to get hung up on details like that, I would get hung up on the gorilla riding the horse, which a <laughs> horse could not sustain the full weight of an adult male gorilla. Of a silver I know. or whatever the fuck it was, yeah. I looked it up because as soon as I saw it, I was like, no way. That's, your, like, that's your agricultural background coming in. That's my, that's my primatology background, baby. I know gorillas. They're fat pieces of shit. Well, they sit yeah. around all day and eat leaves. Like They weigh 
a lot. And I was like, unless you, it's like I said to you, I was like, unless you got a Clydesdale or something, like a big fucking horse, there's no way it could hold a gorilla on <laughs> its back with, <laughs> without just like crumbling. Well, and the funny too, like, so the, the dumb, here's a, another like thing that like, again, I noticed in the movie that I was like, what is the, uh, when a uh, bad ape shows up and he steals uh, th- like the biggest horse that the silverback's yeah. riding. The So then they now have like another one of the regular sized horses doubling down, carrying both of the like I, giant I, gorillas. I'm like, okay. A, a okay. gorilla and an orangutan, yeah. who also orangutans aren't fucking light either. They're yeah. huge fucking yeah. animals. Yeah, especially that one. Yeah, they're all big. It's like, yeah. oh, that, so that horse is like, okay, I'll carry you both, pal. Or even it might have been the chimp that doubled up. But even yeah, so, chimps chimp. are still big but still, too. Nonetheless, it's like, okay. Chimps that, are still big too. Yeah, we got to have the action scene though. We got to yeah. have the chase. And, so, yeah, there, there's stuff like that. And even like we were talking about Bad Ape 2 uh, in, in real life, not in the podcast. So there's the comic, re- like comedy relief character Bad Ape. The, and the I thought Steve's they on. handled him. Steve Zahn, who actually, I think he's an awesome fucking actor. He's wicked in Rescue Dawn. I think he's wicked. I think he should be in more stuff, and I feel bad for him. But um, Bad Ape is like that character that you can expect in certain movies. And I thought they handled him really well, where he is nowhere near as obnoxious and annoying as those characters usually are. So uh, I didn't mind him at all. Yep, he was was um, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he he, he gave people what they wanted. There was some uh, chortling... folk in the front row who are oh, just yeah. like lapping up all bad apes antics so oh, yeah yeah so there's Mission stuff, accomplished. Yeah. yeah so i i like that but that's what i mean there there's certain things that like if i i i can't sweat the small stuff because if i did then it's like i wouldn't enjoy any of these movies at all where it's like how does how does their physiology get uh, evolved in that short time and it's well, like so, all right listen i'm watching a movie about apes taking over just mm-hmm settle down don't worry about it too yeah. much so that's like yeah, i mean like that's that sort of stuff is like whatever i guess like the yeah. i mean they always have to tie in every single thing with like oh because of this and this and this it's because of that it's like the mutavirus and oh everyone's uh like whatever you want to call it they're they're all going mute because of the virus mutating and that makes and then the absurd isn't that ironic what a twist and it's like but they're trying to like they slam in so much stuff whereas before it was like i kind of prefer the original series like where it was like no humanity wiped itself out and they mm-hmm. now they've wiped out spoken language because no one was around to teach it anymore it got bred out of them by the apes was they were put sure. into captivity but they still have the capacity to learn it's just mm-hmm. like they're going to be learning when they're adults and it's going to take way longer to like learn how to vocalize and all that stuff like that rather right. than oh no they lost the ability like because it's like it makes more sense for like mm-hmm. t- for people that oh they oh that's a cool throwback because they they don't know how to talk in the later movies and it's because of the virus and it's like no mm-hmm. it's like stupid it's just like again uh th- this like shortcuts that they make it's like uh, i that, gotcha that's like i don't know like I, I didn't mind it but like when you're talking about it i'm like yeah but i prefer the other version where like there's this like amazing uh film called threads uh that it's like a one of those like nuclear war is like the most frightening thing that can happen right. to humanity basically and uh it, it basically shows the effect of what happens if a nuclear bomb goes off and you happen to survive unfortunately <clears throat> and like how within like a few generations like you like like the human language wouldn't even be recognizable anymore because like the mm-hmm. people who knew how to teach it are gone and uh the they'd just be like speaking in like some weird mumbly thing and it's like all set on the british countryside and like mm-hmm. you'd have like miscarriages the mutants and stuff like that all oh, it's just like so good and it's like all done like in this sort of like stripped down kind of uh documentary style so mm-hmm. so to me that's like 
gripping stuff and like I don't expect my uh big budget Hollywood uh, apes movies to uh, go down this route it either but mm-hmm. I don't know they simplify everything all the time uh and it's always like ah oh, just like surprise me just give me a little something I got like, you you know just I like gotcha. so it's like what I mean like what I like with the uh, the original stuff it's like they seem to be a little bit more uh, they expected more of the audience, I guess, or just like they didn't care. Like they weren't thinking about what caused uh, the humans not to speak. And of course, that's like a very like 2000s thing to be like, well, they did this thing back in the old day, but what was the reason for it? And it's like they do right. that with like the new Star Trek movies and stuff. They have to always go, the reason oh, why yeah. they always did this is because of this. Aren't I clever? And it's like, oh, you're just boring and like yeah. you overanalyze stuff. And it's just like so, fan- fanfic, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's a good example that you brought up. Like what I was saying where – when they these franchise action movies like the new star treks yeah those movies i think stunk real bad like the real like bad. the last two and three i don't well i don't like two and three well, i thought the first two, one was fine yeah into darkness was pretty uh pretty bad yeah and uh, i didn't the like first one i didn't like beyond special. either yeah yeah no yeah the, the first one's fine but uh it, that's a good it's a good franchise to use as an example where i was saying that i think this new series or this new franchise is has done those things better than other ones do well that are trying to build the same thing and the other thing too i'm thinking of too is like in uh phantom menace we've got a midichlorian we've got to explain the force now it's like why why just just leave it as like a thing and it's fine no one was asking what 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 is the force how how did the humans go mute (laughs) it's like no one asked that I don't know about you, but I ask that constantly. Uh, yeah. So and, and, no, then, and then you go yeah. on Twitter and complain about the Doctor Who being a woman. Oh God, who cares? <laughs> I care so little about Doctor Who at all that it's just like I I can't even understand why other mm-hmm. people care at all. It's like who fucking cares? Uh, it's it's like yeah. it's accessible sci-fi for like fucking people who just don't watch normal science. Plain fiction. folk. It's, it's, yeah, it's fine. Uh, and it just Careful. like, and like of all characters that you could possibly like, oh man, those, those dudes who are like on about it, they're like so in the wrong and they're not helping themselves mm-hmm. at all. Like, cause it's like, you could always like, well, changing the race of so-and-so or whatever. Like you could make some like nitpicky weird arguments, like it's tradition or et cetera. Mm-hmm. But with like Dr. Who, whose character is foundationally like, oh, it's a, it's a character who, when they die, they turn into another human being, <laughs> like a completely yeah. different person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So isn't it cool that like, oh, I never thought the doctor would ever become a woman. That should be your first thought that like, wow i never thought they'd do that that's really cool and go with it that's like fantastic i i, I think it's like a great yeah. stroke and guess what from a marketing standpoint and like it's awesome like there's like so many people stoked about it that are probably yeah. going to watch doctor who who never would have watched it ever before just to like right. watch this because they said they heard it's neat and like you said doctor who's this accessible kind of like mike like kind of surprisingly popular thing in some quad quarters like even though the show's mm-hmm. like not great by any means but it's done some it's a little bit more ambitious than a lot of shows like it have been and uh um it's 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 cool whatever i mean so anyway that's the end of the doctor who talk because i don't even watch the show i watched the first like of the new reboot like i remember the old tv show was like 
God damn. It was on PBS back in the day. And like, I thought it was mm-hmm. like the shitty fucking boring show. I dreaded it being on Saturday, at, Sunday afternoons. Cause it's like, oh, I hate this. It's so crappy. It, like, I'd rather mm-hmm. watch Star Trek, which like some people might feel the same way about. But uh, it just was, it looked like dog crap. And then I watched the new stuff, like the Chris Eccleston stuff, which was good. The David mm-hmm. Tennant stuff. And David Tennant was good. And then like the guy that uh, everyone loved the most, Matt Clark, I was kind of just like, who's this Smith. weird, this Matt Smith, who's this weirdo looking yeah. Frankenstein goofball? And that's all like I yeah. I thought he wasn't that good. Yeah. And that and then I just gave up and I was just like, this isn't for me. I'm wasting my life. <laughs> yeah. I watched the Chris Eckle and one of David Tennant's, and then I was like, no, I'm good. Yeah. I don't care anymore. Yep. Uh and uh, I remember when they picked this old balls Peter Capaldi guy. I remember mm. everyone was like, Oh, sweet choice. And I looked at him and I was like, I was like, why did they pick this old fucking man to appeal to like the new like viewers, like kids? I don't know. Because I don't have, care. Because you need to watch the I thick. You so need to watch little. the thick of it, RJ. Yeah, I care so little about about it at all that I can't even understand why people get mad. It's like yeah. who fucking cares? Anyway, hey, one last question about <laughs> War for the Planet of the Apes. How did you feel yep. about uh, Woody? Uh, I thought he was fine. He yeah. did what he was supposed to do in that movie. Um. I don't know. Nothing he does in that movie really makes any sense. <laughs> Other well, than I, he's got to be a bad guy. And he's like, yeah, I, I can't kill I, my own son. It's like, I, who cares? I think, <laughs> think of it like this, Jared. He's like, he's like that military man who's got drunk with power. It's just like Dr. Strangelove. <laughs> yep. Remember that? Remember that was fresh in the sixties. Hey, remember like apocalypse now? Like, it's always yeah. like, that's like the, it's such a cliche and he, he didn't, it, there's nothing wrong with him. It's just the character was just like, there's not much for him to do other than like shave his head and like pick up, uh, plague ridden dolls. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought he was fine. I thought everyone in it was fine. And Hey, you know what? I thought it looked pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so hey, uh, we should mention uh, we watched another thing together uh, this last week. Ah, uh, that's true. Uh, we what was a, the name of this fucking uh, we, thing we, you we made me watch on, off of YouTube when we finally got yeah. your things to work? Uh, yeah. Well, I had been on a, a a kick of watching like occult documentaries and stuff like that, and like just right. YouTube weirdnesses and just like things from mm-hmm. the VHS era. And one of those things that I decided to watch at the same time with RJ and share within this wonderful world uh, was a little VHS tape uh, called Law Enforcement Guide to Satanic Cults uh, from like 1994. Uh, yeah. So this was, RJ, a uh, educational tape designed by a company to uh, distribute or sell to police uh, forces all around North America in how to uh, identify and deal with satanic cults, which apparently mm-hmm. uh, were up to no good, very active. Uh, they t- were constantly told that, like, because of the First Amendment in the country, there's nothing they can do about it. And it just right. seems like, oh, we'd love to just bust these guys' heads open, but uh, we can't. They, they got the, they got they're constitutionally protected. We can't just you know uh, stone them to death in the streets like we used to be able to. It's just this goddamn country. It's gone to Diplomatic hell. Diplomatic immunity. That's right. Diplomatic immunity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yep. Uh, anyway, so we watched this fucking thing uh, that was like really long. And uh, it's got some lots of mullets and hairstyles and uh, some Cosby sweaters. Uh, it's got some tips about how to d- identify satanic uh, graffiti in parks. We had to no. see the same graphic tips. of a park all yeah. like, a lot over and over and over again. We got to hear this like really boring San Francisco uh, police detective uh, recount this like 
prosecution of a satanic leader who did some fucked up shit back mm-hmm. in like 1985. Um, and then just talking about like, I don't know, not using your rational, like your rationalizing abilities to like uh, investigate, which is like kind of not good advice, I don't think. It's also like mm-hmm. talking like going with your gut and <laughs> and like also talk about dabblers. Oh yeah, don't forget about the dabbling. Oh, dabblers. Yeah, yeah well, because you can dabble in Satanism. And, and you, you're probably going you to play video games to your too. Your Motley Crew, your ACDC, mm-hmm. your Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, that's doesn't mean you're. But it's like a gateway, you know. And so Dabblers. maybe you should you shouldn't just you should just make sure your kids aren't don't having access to that sort of thing because you know one one day they're doing that and the next you know they're uh, hanging out with Anton Lavey and having like <laughs> having fun, and you don't mm-hmm. want you don't want to be doing that. Yeah, man. Um, I thought that. I thought for all that it's worth, or for what this thing is, I actually enjoyed watching it. Sure. Oh, yeah, I thought yeah, yeah. it was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, the guy who was the ex-Satanist uh, showing what the uh, satanic symbols mm-hmm. in the park were that he clearly just went and spray-painted like Earlier. 10 minutes before <laughs> because he was just like, because they're walking through and he's like, oh, yeah, look at this. It's an upside-down cross. That means there was a party here. Yeah. And it's just like, does that here's is a, that what that means here's a piece of rope uh looks like he's got some blood on it it's like oh yeah. he, he knows how to identify blood <laughs> yeah and he, he picks up a lidocaine mm-hmm. bottle and he's yeah. like yeah there was there was definitely some stuff going on in here <laughs> what's going what's going on over there did you hear that hold on <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> it's the satanic cults breaking into rj's place cats were fighting Oh, that was that was that was cat fight sounds. Could you hear that? Uh, I heard like a rat, and then I saw you turn. And I was like, okay, something's happening. Anyway, yeah, uh, so I have the door open today, which I usually don't, but it's so hot now, I can't just close the door because I'm in a room with no windows. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so my cats were fighting, but I stopped. We're oh. cool now. Okay. I like that Satanism show. It was funny. Yep. Yeah. If you want to check uh, there, it. Oh. Uh, or I was going to say the best part was uh, they would do these things where they would bring up a subject where it's like uh, the occult or <laughs> witches. And then they would go on about five minutes of just it was just a, a blank or a blank screen with like a background. And then where text would come up where it's like, here are some things to look for. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> yep. and then there, were, there was one where it was about like uh, the danger to children. And it's oh. like red flags. <laughs> and he's like children talking about sex, children listening to music, children who have white stuff or blood on their underpants. <laughs> and it's like children who say that men have touched their privates. And it's just like, what? It's like, well, yeah, no shit. Those are children, fucking red flags. Children who act sexually towards you. And then it's like yeah, putting, their, putting fingers up their ass. It's just like, what? The? It was, yeah. It maybe, was, I don't know if I need a tape to tell me, hey, there's something happening here. Maybe I should be a little concerned. Yeah, exactly. It's like if I hadn't white watched stuff. that, I wouldn't have known that was a red flag. It's like, yeah. hmm. Hey, Sonny Jim, you have blood in your underwear? Uh, it's probably just you growing up. We'll worry about it later. But then you watch this and you're like, oh, shit, it might be the occult. Yeah. <laughs> Better watch out. Yeah. Oh, God. So, yeah, that was the thing you made me watch. And uh, it was fun. Yeah. I, I I enjoyed it. I, I recommend it to anyone. It's Sweet. It's available free on YouTube. Nice. Um, so... I have a few other things. I just have... I'm not going to talk about any other movies. Movies together. Not together, literally, but 
in the same space in the universe. Okay. And uh, we watched a TV show that we like. Um, but I was going to tell you, I finished the book I was reading that I've been reading for like two months. Night film? Night film by uh, yeah. Marissa Pischel or Mar- Marisha? Mm. The, the, the book about drinking bourbon straight. Oh, God. Okay, so I, I sent Jarrett some updates while I was reading this. So it took me a long time to read this because I got really busy. And then um, I kind of I bur- I got burnt out on it for a little bit because um, – so I brought this up way, way back because this will be a movie one day. I think Ron Howard or some someone like that has the rights to this. Uh, and it's about a journalist and investigator who's investigating a uh, – a eccentric director who's it's basically David Lynch. But if he was like really off the, the chart, like had a secret compound and like that, but it's, it's, it's David Lynch. Um, <laughs> so, like you David Lynch even, with the serial numbers filed off. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's like, that's what the book is about. And I, I actually really like the story. Um, there's some times where I think, you feel like they're really going to go for this like supernatural thing. And you're like, Oh man, they're really doing it. And then you don't, it's like not, it doesn't seem like a red herring, but then later you're like, Oh, I guess they didn't like, you can't really do that. But I like the story and I like the idea of this director and the author, she does this really cool thing where she like media friendly so a lot of the chapters have like websites where it's like it's as if the character is reading the website but they were real websites that she created so you could go to them and like explore it on your own so there's stuff like that that i think is pretty cool and i think for the most part she actually is a very good writer like she's a smart intelligent person but there were things in it that i really didn't like where um i don't think she does the character super well they're kind of flat which is like whatever that happens uh the one thing that just kind of drove me crazy is that she would write like the main character was a guy and he always talked about down in scotch he's like because he drank scotch because he was a fucking man yeah you know and he's like i downed my scotch in a gulp or i drowned my scotch in one drink and it happened so much i was sending you pictures for like the first I don't know, 10 times. And then I just stopped because I was like, man, it's getting fucking ridiculous. But did it hit end uh, bomb levels as it does in uh, Stephen King's It? No, nothing has ever hit that. Uh, <laughs> people might remember in the winter when I read It, I was sending pictures to Jarrett of every time Stephen King used the N word in that book. And oh my God, it's it's a lot. I mean, it was the 80s, you know, it was the 80s, you know, you can do whatever. Uh, it was a lot. Not, it the, didn't reach... not the 1880s, the 1980s. Yeah. If it's if it's any consolation, Jared, he was talking about African or he was. Talking <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> of African-American people uh-huh. who were talking to other African-Americans which, using the word, which he knows very well, being from uh, Maine or Delaware the or whatever 50s? the fuck. A kid who grew up in 1950s uh, anywhere USA. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it didn't reach those levels, but uh, it's it got pretty out of hand sometimes, and I was just I was I got real bogged down by it. I was like, Jesus Christ. So um, the actually one other thing that I was gonna say is the book's like 600 pages, and it doesn't have to be. It could be like four, and it would be really crisp and really fresh. But she does this thing, just like the new Planet of the Apes movies, where it feels like she's trying to like catch up the reader, 
where you just read a whole chapter about where they find out this like one key piece of evidence. And then she spends like two paragraphs of the character explaining it to the other character who was fucking there. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I get it. Like, I know I know people need things to be like rehashed for them, but it was unnecessary. And they did it a lot. Mm. And I just thought I'd tell you about that. So is I it... want to figure in better things now. Okay. Nice. Yeah. It will be a movie one day. So we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched Twin Peaks mm. as we do. Or should I? Because I feel like you want to save these Romeros for the end. Well, we can talk. We can do uh, Twin Peaks chatter first. Yeah. So I, I watched Twin Peaks mm-hmm. and you watched Twin Peaks. I did. Yes. As, yeah, I o- thought as it, always. As always. I thought it was a pretty uh, straightforward episode. Yep. Uh, some things are revealed, as you astutely pointed out a long time ago, that one guy has been confirmed. Richard the Horn. The grandson of Richard Horn. Yeah. Or is his name Richard? Richard Horn, yeah. That's his yep. name. Don't yeah. wear so, it out. Don't wear and, it out. And still no Audrey. Where the, where the fuck's Audrey, man? I, I I got to imagine they're saving her for something big. Where is when, Ed? Uh, and where's Ed? Evil Cooper comes. Yeah, I don't know where Ed is. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty straightforward episode. I, I popped Progresses pretty, yeah, I popped pretty big with Nadine uh, in her uh, curtain store. <laughs> mm. yeah, when, when, can you define popped? Uh, I got excited. I went, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> like that. In, in my room, like in my living room, alone by myself, I said, out, I spoke out loud and went, oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Did you pop with the, all the James Belushi? Uh, in this episode, he was oh, man. I, I think I remember uh, being like Jim Belushi. Oh god, he's gonna be shit. Like he's like everything I've seen. With well, you're him, just like, why is he in this? Well, yeah, I was like, oh fuck, he sucks. Like I've watched like uh, oh, what's it called, uh, Red Heat with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. He sucks so bad in that movie. He's so lame. Uh, and like pretty well, he he embodies lame. But in this though, mm-hmm. he's been really good because they kind of yep. like play up the fact that he's kind of like a sad bastard in some ways. Mm-hmm. But he's like because uh, basically him and T bag uh they're mm-hmm. they're basically playing the fertita brothers which i think is like right. really funny um and they're just like and they're like weird uh cocktail waitress goons they're like one's like broken mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yep. so they've been great i uh, know yeah it's a very it was a very straightforward episode uh it, it, pro- it progressed storylines uh mm-hmm. quite a bit uh we got we had a sex scene i was got, gonna say how what did you think of that dougie sex scene it's fine um, I think I didn't, I, someone else pointed out though, I think like when, uh, uh, Dougie went in for his uh, medical examination, his chest was completely shaven. And then when they had their sex scene, he had a, a mat, uh, nice. chest, which I was like, ah, they, they, cause he didn't, he's whatever. Yeah. I, I like that. Movie, I like stuff like that. Movie magic. <laughs> right. So there's that. Uh, um, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just like, uh, we got a surprise reappearance of log lady. Uh, which yeah, I was not expecting yeah. again. Uh, things are happening. Things are coming together. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we got yep. eight episodes to go, seven weeks or something like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's still, happening it's still, again. I, st- I still like it. Um, I also watched yep. the new episode of game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, like, but I know you, you can't talk about it. All I can say is that that show is like, for me, like total comfort food. Uh, yeah. it's like, uh, especially after watching some latter day George Romero. Um, it's like oh, no. amazing how like for, for a television show, like how good that show looks, uh, the production, right. just like overall quality of game of Thrones. is like so good. Like I wouldn't like when people go, Oh, it's like the best show that's ever been made. It's like, no, 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 nah. you need, you need to go out and watch some like 
actually good television shows that really have like mm-hmm. I don't know real like things to say. This is just like a super entertaining like it's the best fantasy television show you could imagine. And if, right. like, if that's all you want, I guess that is like the best show ever made. But like mm-hmm. if you just like I w- I always have dreamt about there being a really good fantasy show that didn't like insult my intelligence. Game of Thrones is it, and it's like I. I really like it, and uh, I'm glad right. it's on. There's only and there's only like I think 12 episodes of that to go to, but it's getting broken up because that's what mm-hmm. HBO likes to do with their hits: is slow it down and and milk it for all it's worth. So yeah. that's frustrating. Um, yeah, sounds shitty. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Twin um, Peaks, man. It's like how much uh, Dale Cooper are we going to get? Pure regular old Dale Cooper. Every, I mean, every not ep- much. Every episode, it just seems to be a little less and less. Yep, and it's like, oh no, it's this better not be like, oh, well, if you had watched season four, which will never be made, you would have gotten all that you needed. It's like, no, yeah. Well, is do you think the return is the return of Dale Cooper, and the whole series will just be leading up to Coop coming back? Ooh, that would be mean. Because that's what okay. I I thought that a couple weeks ago actually, but I didn't. I never said it because I kind of thought that was like a common idea i was like well i'm not the first guy to think that right but yeah i was like maybe the return is just right. a coop man uh i think uh there's one uh podcast guy out there he made some comment about how the first run of uh twin peaks was uh who killed laura palmer and the theme of this particular run is who is dale cooper Ooh. well i don't i don't think it's much as that i no. think it's just it's the dougie show well, it's, and Coop's just well, coming back. Well, there's like, I mean, if you want to go, if when you go back to like David Lynch stuff and like yeah. everything he's made, it's always been about doppelgangers and like kind of like right. the, these like sides of a of a person. And there's this whole idea that like I think the the real shitty thing is that Bob is Bob and he takes over right. you, but he only basically takes over like the worst side of you. So all the things that evil Coop has done are all things that Cooper was always capable of. And he's mm-hmm. just unleashed. And that's the thing where like, cause like if you remember at the end of, or kind of like when Leland Palmer like dies, like when he's like, when Bob's like, I'm going to leave here and I'm going to leave a, a, a pull the cork and everything's, he's going to remember everything right. that, that scene's still coming for uh, Dale Cooper is like when they, right. when they recombined or whatever happens on that, on that plot beat, he's going to be like, he's going to remember every single thing that uh, evil mm-hmm. Cooper has been doing that for the 27 years. And will he be strong enough to survive that? I don't know. We'll uh, find out. We'll I guess. find out. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, th- so oh, this yeah. also uh, ties into, I guess, uh, some news. So there was criterion announcements this week. Oh man. And, uh, Perfect, perfect timing. Uh, Criterion announced, amongst some other things, that Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me is getting the Criterion treatment. Um, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like it's going to be the same transfer as the one that's in the uh, the complete mystery box. Okay, that came on Blu-ray. So I mean, like for me, I've already got that version, but like the completionist in me will want to get this as well. But what was right. really surprising for me though is the amount of people who are really mad about this movie being in the Criterion Collection, like pissed off. They think this movie's like yep. the worst piece of shit they've ever seen. And I'm like, wait, people still think that? And I'm like, well, those yep. same people like are big like. I mean, they must hate the current Twin Peaks. Like, they should. And then, yep. of course, I started realizing, oh, man, there's a lot of people who don't like the current Twin Peaks. Um, mm-hmm. 
And it's like, oh, that's yeah, like, what a nuts. bummer. Yeah, you know, like to me, it's like this show is like pretty interesting and like uh, worth worth like thinking about. And just people just like do not want it. They want to go back to the comfort of what their show was in 1990. They want to show exactly like that. And yeah. I mean, basically, I mean, uh, I think I saw some uh, think piece in the last week that's like Twin Peaks: The Return is like the the show that defines like 2017 where we're where we are at right now like kind of uh, like come on <laughs> uh yeah I, I think i thought that'd be a response but uh just this idea that, like it's like like with drones and like kind of desolation and like everyone's Gosh. older and dying and shittier than ever and uh it's like all like digital and harsher it's not filmic and like soft and like everyone's like coarser looking and tougher <sighs> and it's like yeah okay whatever it's uh some people like they never left english 101 so that's how they got it so they talk that's how you get the hits rj i don't like that yeah that makes me you know mad. rj if the criterion creeps podcast had more hot takes like that we would be like like adding like dozens of listeners i'm sure the only reason we don't get dozens of listeners is because you can't pronounce the the names of the people in the movies that we watch. Well, that's beside the point. No it's one the can. Key, no it's one, the key factor. No one can pronounce these names, and I've got some coming up on those criteria <laughs> announcements. But anyway, so yeah, Twin Peaks talk. Yep. Um, yeah, Twin Peaks was good. Yep. They moved the plot along, and uh, we'll wait to see more. Yep. Uh, oh yeah. So Romero yeah. movies. Romero. So no. have you? Okay. So uh, George Romero died, and I realized, fuck, that changes my plans for watching stuff in the next few yep. days. And I'm like, well, uh, it's like always. Like I'd actually pulled out Dawn of the Dead to rewatch like, like a month or so ago because I could, as I think I told you, if like a month or yep. so ago, I'm like, I could watch that movie at the drop of a hat. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. It's such a joy to watch. It just blasts by. And so I pulled it out, intending fully to watch it, and it, I had been holding off. Things came up, and then George died. And I was like, well, I guess I got to watch all of them again. Your reign of terror continues. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about it on the show, but apparently in real life, you uh, had uh, played his card for him when you took that DVD out. Uh, yes, it set uh, things in motion. Actually, uh, mm-hmm. my uh, buddy Corey, he watched the Argento cut of Dawn of the Dead the mm-hmm. morning he died. So he's uh, to blame. So he is solely to blame. He, it's like he, yeah. he took the Thanks cancer lot, and like, shoved it right down his throat. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, buddy. Jeez. Anywho, so uh, I've seen these movies many times before, uh, but I am I to take it from your letterbox post that you have not seen the Romero Dead trilogy before? Okay, so here's the thing about this. I have seen these movies as a little kid. Weird. So I had them, some of like... I've talked about this before where there are certain movies that sometimes I have a mark to scene and sometimes I don't, even though I have seen them. Mm-hmm. These movies fell into that category where it's like, I've seen them, but it was so long ago. I can't really, I can't honestly count them as, has, as being seen. Okay. So uh, be, last year, this is off screen. This was off screen. This happened before we started to creep Tober. I was going to, watch all three of these mm-hmm. because I think I told you it was like it's been a very very long time yeah. and you t- and I think yeah. that was the way I was going to kick it off but I never got to it so I I had been meaning to watch these I haven't seen them since I was a little kid so this these were actually pretty fresh fresh viewings for me well yeah I just hope so you just watched them <laughs> well no I mean like watching them now there was a lot of new stuff that it's like you were I watching had... them for the first time 
essentially. Yeah. I have seen them before, but it's been so long that I, I can't I can't say in good conscience that I've okay. actually watched these movies. So it's been a long time, Jer. Okay. It's been a long time. Does that make you mad? No. <laughs> I just, just want a clarification on it because I was like, what? You've never seen yeah. like these? Like, uh, how the hell have we had conversations mm-hmm. about these, I thought? Anyway, so what did you think of revisiting the, the trilogy? Uh, it was, I thought it was great. It was a barrel of laughs. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I think like these movies are really good for a lot of reasons. I think the biggest one, and it's like, it's not news or anything like that. I've, I've heard other people talk about them before like this, but it's where each one is kind of, it's a different take on like his, like his, his own thought, like his ideas where like night stands for one thing. And Dawn is kind of like he, what I mean to say is he has all three of them are like fresh new ideas. I feel like, and he's reinventing himself each time, which I think is really neat. And not a lot of people can do stuff like that. And I feel like this dude never got the credit he maybe deserved. Right. Like maybe he did when he was younger, but when he got really old and was making bad movies, then maybe Ooh, people, yeah. maybe people didn't uh, remember all the no, good stuff he actually I, no, did. No, I don't think I don't think that's true. I think I don't think no. anyone forgot how good his stuff was. Like they still love those movies. I think they were mostly right. just angry, maybe not even angry, just that disappointed that like he just couldn't do what he used to do. Um, but I can touch upon why that probably is, sure. uh, and it doesn't reflect well on this country, RJ. <laughs> Oh no! Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, what, uh, why don't you take it away? Because I know you're highly invested in this mm, these movies. Well, people, if they want to read uh, my personal take on Night of the Living Dead, it's on Letterboxd. Uh, oh, it's the okay. I'm pretty sure it is the first Romero movie that I ever watched because I never watched Creep Show when I was a kid. It just kind of like. I just, it wasn't on my radar. Um, my uh, friend right. Corey again, uh, who killed George Romero, he yep. uh, lent me his VHS copy of Night of the Living Dead. Ooh. And uh, like when I was in like my like grade 10 in high school, it's like the first mm-hmm. year of high school, he like was my, my new friend who just lived down the street. And he's like, oh, because this is like post Resident Evil 2, where like everything's mm-hmm. zombie and zombies are cutting edge. And everyone's like, well, if you really want to watch the real zombie movies, you got to watch George Romero. Because this was before zombies were in. Like at that point, anyone would just have been right. watching like Brain Dead, uh, Dead Alive, or whatever you want to call it, the Peter Jackson movie. Um, yeah. And then there's like, well, you got to go back to the classics. And so you'd have to go find these on video and watch them that way. And like there was a movie, those were movies I like, just weren't on my radar. My friend Corey had them. He made me watch them, and I did. And Night of the Living Dead just like hit that sweet spot of like kind of that Twilight Zone, Outer Limits vibe. It's just like mm-hmm. otherworldly, black and white, kind of just like off and kind of like boring in the right way. It feels like right. if you've ever spent time on a like a like a farmhouse or acreage growing up, it feels exactly like that. Like the movie really fe- like feels like, oh shit. Like mm-hmm. if I was like driving out of the country and this suddenly happened, I just have to like go run toward one of those houses and hope that like I could hide out before while these like weird marauding ghouls like leave me alone. Um, ghouls. And so it always like resonated in that way. 
just because it was just like the middle of nowhere kind of feeling and that you're totally isolated and it's like what a cool setting because it seems like other later movies that would be influenced by this it never quite gets that feeling right the way that Night of the Living right. Dead makes it seem so easy like just the mm-hmm. setup at the graveyard the weirdness of it it's like yeah this feels exactly right like it really transports you to that uh, that world um, and then then you get uh, just I don't know Great, great weird tension between characters very angry with one another. You get Ben, uh, catatonic Barbara, (laughs) who is like probably Mm -hmm. the like strangest Romero, uh, female lead. Yeah, because of the three movies, like they all have uh, female leads in them. And she's kind of like, I mean, she's in this weird spot where it's like, yeah, she just watched her brother get like his head caved in with a rock. Mm -hmm. Spoilers. How could you? There's a lot of people who haven't seen this movie, Jer. Uh, Well, they should have changed that this week. Yeah. You know what? It's like, I guess it's like the 50th anniversary in 2000. In 2018 will be the 50th anniversary, won't it? Of? Night of the Living Dead. Oh. That's why Criterion didn't announce it, I think, for maybe October. Uh, Yeah, so, Pete, this is another behind-the-scenes action Mm. here, but uh, on last week, I saw you, and you were talking about how you believed that on this last Monday, when Criterion announced their new movies, you thought the Dead movies would be in there. Or Night of the Living Dead. Uh, Yeah, Night of the Living Dead. But uh, it wasn't, and then George Romero died, so... You and Corey are to blame for this one. Yeah, and but so on the, maybe on next the, year on the same day that he died, apparently uh, this New York Film Festival announced the dates for Giannis Films is a print of it that they've got screening in October, which means like usually when Giannis Films is doing their uh, screenings, that means mm-hmm. that their Blu-ray is forthcoming, which will be really great because this like the the best way still to watch this is like this really old DVD that Elite Entertainment put out under their Millennium mm-hmm. Edition line in this red case that I still have to watch because every other version looks like crap uh, or like the, there's like a f- bad Blu-ray of it that exists right now, which is just like doesn't look mm-hmm. right at all. So anyway, that's that's exciting news. Uh, so hopefully that's out sooner than later. Not like October, uh, like I expected, but instead we're getting Twin Peaks Firewalk, with, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, it's always a favorite of mine. Uh, despite, I mean, there's like weird acting bits and stuff like that that are kind of goofy, and you you know they're not using like really professional actors or particularly great actors, but that it kind of adds to like the weirdness of the movie that the, it feels like this is happening. This has like a real immediacy. Uh, it takes place over the course of one evening, um, mm-hmm. and there's like a real tension to it. You don't know if there are people who are going to survive. Uh, the use of media and stuff like that becomes a uh, a great touchstone between this one and Dawn. Um, and, right. pr- and pretty well just abandoned in Day of the Dead, which makes sense because at that point all of society's yeah. collapsed, so there's there is no more media, and now right. and then everyone just turns in toward themselves and destroys themselves. Uh, so yeah, Night of the Living Dead's sweet. I dig that mm-hmm. movie a lot. And then um, Dawn of the Dead, uh, which I consider like probably like, one of my legit all time favorite movies. Uh, for mm-hmm. me, this movie's like Star Wars. For like other people, <gasps> I, I love yeah. Dawn of the Dead a lot. Uh, I love the world. I love the look of that movie. Uh, it's like endlessly fascinating. Uh, mm-hmm. What can I say about it? it? It's funny because this is the movie. When I first watched this, when Corey lent me his like VHS, I vividly remember like bringing it back like the next day and being like, the best part of the movie was when it ended. Like, cause I did not like it at all. 
I thought it was yeah. just a bad piece of shit. Like, I'm like, what was that? Like, I had never seen, like, a 70s horror movie outside of, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is, like, right. an incredibly visceral, like, strange, violent movie, where this is kind of like a, in comparison, like a plodding, bad makeup, like, movie of, like, dirty, smelly bikers and, like, weird old 70s people and just, like, the what's with the color of that blood, blue zombies, blah, blah, blah. Like, it just, like, th- without, like, a proper introduction and after watching Night of the Living Dead and think that movie's so good and effective and atmospheric, Dawn of the Dead is, like, such a different type of movie that's, like, what the fuck? So, like, I didn't like that movie at all the first time I watched it. But, like, mm-hmm. a year later or so, I remember being, like, oh, I should watch that movie again because, like, I thought about it a lot. And I think at some point um, the movie movie idle hands came out uh which has like which yeah it's dopey all right uh but there's a bit in it that like where they used dawn of the dead footage like the the the, when the one like uh when they bites down on her and i remember that i'm like i remember watching that with my friends and i was like oh that's from that dawn of the dead movie and then i was like i should watch that movie again and i watched it again and i was like oh i like this movie more now and now I've watched the movie like I don't know dozens of times, and it's like mm-hmm. one of my all-time faves. So you know things can happen like that, where you watch a movie the first time and go, "What the fuck? What a piece of crap!" And then you watch it over and over again, and you go, "Yes, this movie's really good." <laughs> mm. Yeah, for some movies. For some movies. So I've heard. Well, one day, RJ, you're gonna be like, "Man, Salo is like my Star Wars." I'm never watching that movie again. <laughs> The movie sucks, Jarrett. That movie uh, sucks and you suck. How, how did you feel about these uh, first two movies, which I think are undisputed classics of horror? All-time bangers? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Night Night is very good. Um, it's like you said, it's it's a very tight little action movie. There's a not action horror. What am I talking about? I don't um, know. No, I think, I don't know. It, it does everything right, man. Like, it's great. I don't know. I don't know what what to say. I I really enjoyed it when mm-hmm. I watched it. Yeah, it, it's look. It's left me uh, speechless. Wow, it's great. But, so that? I was gonna yeah. Dawn. Yeah, uh, I think Dawn is really really good for a few reasons. Um, one thing is that uh, another hot phrase that people use a lot is it's it feels lived in. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is like around the time when they like clear out the mall and then they start actually living there, yeah. it, it you get a feel that they're doing things that like real people would actually do. Like um, there's a scene where the guy's like just painting inside of like their their little shelter. He's like painting the walls, and it's like that's such a like a small thing because they only show up for a second, but it's like, I feel like that is something people actually would do when they're like living in that kind of situation. Right. Or, uh, when, uh, the one dude is getting really sick and he's kind of sequestered, sequestered into the corner Roger, and you see just like in his Roger sad, shitty little, like final, yeah. his pal, his palate of care, his palate. Yeah, exactly. Cause, and there's stuff there where it's like, you see like there's cards on the floor and there's like wrappers and stuff like that because it's like, yeah, he, he hasn't moved in what looks like, like at least a week or two. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he builds that kind of sense up really well. Every time and I then, watch that movie, I, I always like, oh, fuck, no, Roger, don't get bit by the zombie. You're, why are you acting like such an idiot? It's like, it gets yeah. me every time. It's like, why do you need your backpack? It's so well done. Stop being a jerk. Yeah, and he's like, fuck, yeah. you know it's coming. And it's just like, oh, 
God, he's oh fuck, he got bit again. It's like it never changes every time I watch the movie, and it's like I can't think of very many movies where like I'm like I still like get sucked in by like things I know are coming. So yeah, yeah. that scene's so there's, great. Which uh, there's how that long? And, and how, which which version did you watch? Do you even are you the one that's two hours and seven minutes? Okay, which I think is the theatrical cut because like the one yeah. I always watch is the extended cut, which is like how has, long is like, that? I have to double check because I never I never check the time code, RJ. <gasps> That's a high praise, yeah. as people have found mm-hmm. the last few episodes. No, yeah, the one I watched was two two uh, 2.07. Okay. Well, I'm going to find out. What, I think you watched the theatrical. Anyway, continue your uh, thoughts. No, yeah, I, I, I love stuff like that. And then even, like, I mean, it's obvious, like, it's a... It's a great sequence, but just a montage where they're they're shopping in the mall and they're they're doing fun things like real life things that have been taken away from them. If you and I just, have a sweet tooth, is that in the version you watched? Yeah. Like, okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That. And then uh, the one one thing I really love is where they're in like the grocery store and the uh, flyboy pulls up like uh, a bag of bread yeah. and then the other guy pulls up that huge fucking loaf that's like as big as a, a human yeah um i love that it's wicked okay so and the, i like tom savini's biker gang too mm-hmm. the the f- extended version is 139 minutes so you're mis- okay so you're so like the- a like 12 yeah. minutes. There's like 12 extra minutes. I think most of it is like the the montage is like longer. Um, there's oh, like, no, there, there's I, more despondency like in it. Though. Oh yeah. No, it's like, so, okay. So there's the American version, which I've never, I don't know if I've seen, like it may, it might've been the very first version I ever watched, but I think I've usually stuck with the extended. But last year I watched the, uh, uh, the Argento cut, which is like drastically shorter like it's like an hour 45 mm-hmm. so there's like a good like half hour 35 minutes that are just gone and watching it the editing and like pacing of it is so different that like i hated it like it annoyed me but like i would chalk it up to like just familiarity with the extended version which i like know and so mm-hmm. i found i was just like just constantly frustrated with my experience because like wait that that's not the music that hits when he says that and like that's mm-hmm. different that's changed oh god why why would you even bother watching this it's just like to me it falls into like um like a a true two-star movie where i'm like your time could be better spent because it's like yeah you could be better spent watching the longer version of the movie like right it's just like it's just i found it frustrating but if it's the first time yeah. you've watched it or maybe dawn's not fresh in your mind it would be like fine to watch but it feels it it really does feel drastically different like just how much uh editing can change an entire sequence and like feel Mm -hmm. like the opening scene like with the the chaos of the like newsroom it like plays out Mm -hmm. far more straight and traditional whereas like i think that like i like that opening shot with um oh what's her name Fran, Franny, yeah. when she's just like her head's like resting against like this like the carpeted soundproofed room, and like it just pans over weird and zooms out of her, and it's just Dawn of the Dead, and you're like, what the hell is this? Like at that point, you don't even realize you're watching a zombie movie until like quite a ways in. You don't see mm-hmm. like it until they do the house raid, and and that whole sequence is just like the most like was is a great moment of like seventies horror exploitation mm-hmm. like just rampage and fucking blood and guts spraying everywhere it's so good like i just like every time i watch that i'm like fuck why don't they make movies like this anymore the old cliche Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah you're an old man though i'm an old man yeah and uh the other things uh we got our favorite band goblin some funky beats uh, at the time called the goblins the goblins with uh the sweetest of scores yeah 
and then um, yeah, I was gonna say the only thing that I don't really. Uh, the only thing I don't really get is like when Tom Savini's biker gang comes and they're like stealing jewelry and cash, and it's just like why? <laughs> but people do weird things because like, at you the know end of the I'm... day they're still materialists. And like yeah. there's the one guy who takes the TV. What are you gonna watch on that anyway? Oh yeah, yeah. And it's like instead of just like leaving it, no, he has to destroy it now too. Like because yeah. that's kind of the thing. It's like they're still in this mindset. Yeah, well, so that that kind of back to uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes instead of Dawn of the Dead. Uh-huh. There, there's a scene in that that makes me mad too, where it's like there's that guy from Fringe who's who's like, oh, stupid monkeys, they they killed the world, and Carrie Russell's just like, she's like, are you serious? She's like, we did this, not them, and he's like, doesn't matter, they're the bad guy, and it, it's it's like frustrating because you're like, it's like how can a character be that dumb but then you see that in real life there's people like anti-vaxxers and flat earthers and it's mm-hmm. just and then it all makes sense it's like no way people are that stupid yeah. and it's not just the movies where characters make the worst decisions and you're just like how can you be so fucking stupid mm-hmm. it actually happens so yeah. anyways, anyways yeah dawn, and then dawn and, night and dawn all-time bangers yeah and then day of the dead yeah this is true with uh, your buddy bub Mobub. Uh Bub. so then there's Day of the Dead, which is has always been my least favorite of the three. Oh, yeah. Um it feels as RJ speaks into a beer can. Uh did you not hear that? Oh I heard I heard the echo. <laughs> uh the the, oh, re- yeah. the reverb. Um yeah, so this movie like okay. It like special effects wise, gore wise, this movie blows all the previous two out of the water. The effects uh-huh. in this movie are so good. Like they're oh, yeah. like oh like the the wounds and stuff like that. Like that is where all the effort and time went into. Um, mm-hmm. My v- memory of this movie uh, is uh, this is probably the first Romero movie I ever found out about when I was a kid because I remember there was this TV show uh, on in the mid nineties called Movie Magic, and they would mm-hmm. just like you know, do like special effects stuff, makeup stuff on different movies. And they would just randomly pick, Oh, here's a movie that we got access to like behind the scenes footage of, and we're going to talk over how they did stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. day of the dead was one of those movies. And so in the middle of the afternoon, like I've got to watch, um, just men getting their eyes pulled out, their heads pulled off, like their insides just emptied out as they're alive still. And I was just like, what the fuck? This is like the scariest, most messed up movie I've ever seen in my life. And like, I always mm-hmm. was like, God, what was that? And I couldn't remember. Like, it was always like after the fact, I was like, God, there's some weird, really scary, serious like movie where I think they like, it's so realistic. I can't even believe that they ever did this. And then finally I rented this goddamn movie or mm-hmm. borrowed it from Corey, I should say. Uh, and I was like, oh God, this is the the movie and sure enough like fuck it's just the way it's lit the brownness mm-hmm. and filthiness and like oh i think the one that gets me the most is when they're pulling off the guy's head and you hear like the sound of the vocal cords screeching out of control as the head gets pulled further and away oh, it's so yeah. oh god damn it's so good mm-hmm. unfortunately this movie is like i don't know man I, oh, all the rest of it is the unfortunate part. Yeah, it's like one location. So it's like the other two movies, but it really just feels like one location. Uh, the opening sequence is fantastic um, and yeah. is the basis for that one, like one gorilla song, um, which is neat. Because uh, every time I Clint hear Eastwood? it. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's the hello, which yeah. is great. That whole sequence is amazing. Uh, you get some of the, one of the best zombies in all of Romero's movies, the jawless Muppet one. 
that like Ooh, the, the, yeah. the first one you see in that movie. Uh, yeah. And then you just like, get a bunch of characters that suck. They're like really unlikable, and like there's no mm-hmm. reason to like any of them. They're all angry, and they don't do anything to like win you over, even the good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's some real bad acting, like quite a bit of bad acting. Oh, yeah. There's like Miguel. He sucks. He's the worst. Um, they're all pretty bad. It's a very well. There's like the leader of the the, the military dudes. Yeah. He like I don't know. I always see like behind the scenes footage with him. And he seems like such a nice guy. He's just like not a good actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steel is okay. The big burly one. He's like he yep. plays a good maniac. He's like a John Candy light. Um, yeah but this movie is like it's okay yeah. the gore make more than makes up for the movie shortcomings but i like rj i have seen a lot of people say this is their favorite movie like of the of the, uh, of the i dawn, don't know about of, that of, yeah i don't know about that either like it's their fans them their favorite of the three and i'm like no like that's yeah. just nuts like it's like toss up between one and two but man yeah. seeing day of the dead is better than those it's like you're you're on the wrong side of history pal mm-hmm. yeah yeah i don't agree with that at all um we're going but i do agree with all of what you said okay yes we are going very long very long well we we had to talk about apes we have to talk about romero two two trilogies yeah two trilogies uh okay Uh, i've been finished up watching george romero's uh other dawn movies or dead movies uh that i'd seen line of the dead in theater when it came out uh and it was just like a movie it's like watching it now it's like even aged worse uh diary of the dead and survival of the dead are fucking shitty like they're really bad terrifically bad Mm -hmm. um and they were made like back to back and it was like during the height of like zombie craze, like everybody, every, everyone's going to get their zombie yeah. movie out. And it's like, wait, we can get George Romero's name on this and it'll sell units. We don't have to worry about anything else, which is really sad. Cause it's like, Oh, George, you were, you were so talented in your like heydays. Mm-hmm. Like he made fucking Martin. And I'd say Martin's like his like second best movie. Like I'd say it's back. Yeah. Like, it's Dawn and Martin for me. Martin's so good. Um, yep. and, um, yeah, even the craziest has its like moments, but man, mm-hmm. Land of the Dead is just like it looks like crap. It's not very memorable, um, but it's it's no Diary of the Dead or Survival of the Dead. I don't even want to talk about those movies. They they're terrible. Yeah. They're they're such a waste of time. They're like everything. Like it's at times trying to be like a like a scream kind of movie with like characters saying knowing mm-hmm. things, making quips offline. It's just like it's supposed to be found footage, but it's like not even. It's just like an excuse to like cut down your budget survival of the dead makes no sense they're on an island yeah. and they're like irish <laughs> or, or like oh and there's like cowboys fucking cowboys uh and lots of like bad cartoony looney tune cgi mm-hmm. bad 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 not a not a great way to end a career uh he didn't direct like that in the last one that came out was 2009 so he didn't direct anything since the last thing like just a couple of weeks ago there was an announcement that romero was going to make another of the dead movie which i think some people are just going oh god no yeah. well maybe this one will be better and it's like no and the problem rj was that starting with his like uh in the mid what was it in 90s nine with b- the movie bruiser which is also uh. not good at all uh he went to ontario he moved to ontario canada and he started to shoot all his movies on backstage lots because that's what you do in the Canadian film industry. And everything looks like crap. And uh, you find a bunch of shitty Canadian actors and no talented cinematographers. And you just right. make crap the rest of your life because that's what happens in this fucking country. Jeez. Because, it, this, because if anything, these movies illustrate the importance of shooting on location. And instead mm-hmm. of shooting, shooting on fucking stages and where it's like everything like looks 
like when you shoot, we've talked about this before in our, in our creep. Like when you see movies shot on location, it just gives it a feeling like, wow, this movie is like just better now that it's shot like in actual places. And then right. you compare it to when, oh, we're going to shoot uh, because it's cheaper. We can control the environmental stuff and it's more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, but your movie looks like poop. Yeah. Poop. Poop. Uh, it's poop. Yeah. And then, RJ, another guy died. <laughs> Like the same day oh, as right. Big George, Martin Landau, uh, which I think like I saw a lot of people say, uh, ha, ha, I, I thought he died years ago. And so I was like, well, Martin Landau, the first thing I think of when I think of him is Edward and his performance is Bela Lugosi. Um, so I just said, hey, I'm going to pop that in, watch that movie. Fuck. Edward is still so good. Um, that was like probably actually probably one of the first really good movies I ever saw when I was a kid. Like when it came out, uh, in 1995, again, as I've talked about before, uh, probably on the, um, ghoul schools, I was like a weird kid. Cause I was like, oh man, I'm really into like Groucho Marx. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, this Ed Wood guy who makes like flying saucer, weird black and white movies. I'm like that sounds cool. And this movie, Ed Wood's about a guy, a director who makes these sort of like strange, uh, like sci-fi movies. That sounds fantastic. And it's from the director of Batman and Batman Returns. Sign me up. So uh, I remember getting this from like Blockbuster in the day and like watching it and being like, that movie's really good and funny. Um, I I vaguely remember uh, my friend Lawrence and I watching this together. Um, And yeah, like I am like astounded at how really, really, really good Martin Landau's performance as um, Bela Lugosi is. Like, it's unbelievable. The makeup is just like stunning. Yeah, like I totally forget that it's Martin Landau in a way that like you think of like Steve Carell and his fucking prosthetic noses and stuff like that and Foxcatcher. Oh, man. It's just like such trash. And uh, then you watch this movie and then it's like oh no it's like really good convincing makeup that serves a purpose and then the performance is like so rock solid and i mean so i kind of like was reading like the wikipedia page for edward afterwards and like there's like the things that you can be like the the inconsistencies of the the plot of edward um like kind of like oh that's not how that story played out at all um you just yeah. have <laughs> <laughs> totally totally um so yeah there's this like the weird like stuff that you can let slide when you're thinking about like like oh how much how, what is the factual uh veracity of the edward film uh compared to the actual world of the, the movie and stuff like that and it's just like mm-hmm. who cares it's like it's fine the guys who wrote this they went on to write like awesome shit like man on the moon and people versus larry flint which are all yeah. like fantastic uh biopics uh, and this movie mm-hmm. still holds up so, so well. Uh, it's like one of the best Johnny Depp performances. He's so well suited in this movie. Uh, there's so much, like, you got Jeffrey Jones, you got fucking George the Animal Steel, um, stacked cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ed yeah, Wood. you're right. Have, that have, sure RJ, was a movie. RJ, you've seen Ed Wood, right? Yes, I have. Okay. Well, I believe I, you made me watch that. Okay. That's good. When I, yeah. I, I'm glad. <laughs> Yeah, I believe you made me watch that. I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Tim Burton sucks now. Well, yeah, but he did make some good movies once. Hey, he, I mean, hey, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is like a f- goddamn masterpiece. That movie yeah. is so well done, so good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, Edward's good, okay. but uh, yeah, I guess 
we didn't kill Martin Lando. No, he. But you, yeah. De- death, death, and time did that for us. Huh. Uh, okay, news, uh, Criterion announcements. Twin Peaks Firewalk ah. with me, Barry Lyndon from uh, old Stan Kubrick uh, is coming Ooh. out from Criterion. Barry Lyndon's awesome. Uh, it's been a, I've only yep. ever, I actually, that was like one of the last Kubrick movies I ever watched in like for the first time. And it was always because like people were like, oh, the movie's boring and people are dumb. <laughs> and Barry Lyndon's fantastic. Yep. Uh, I'm excited for this to come out. Um, but that's cool. And then uh, Personal Shopper by Olivier Assayas is coming out. Uh, Pretty new, isn't it? Yeah. So is the other one, The Lure by some Polish person, uh, which. Ah. Uh, I won't even attempt their name. Uh, but yeah, so we have two modern films coming out. It's actually a pretty decent lineup. And you know what's hilarious, RJ? Yes. Uh, Othello, directed by Orson Welles, is now scheduled to come out in October. Do you remember the last time this happened? You were like, well, why do you keep lying to me? And like, I'm like, no, it's definitely yeah. coming out in September, RJ. Wrong. <laughs> it's coming out mm-hmm. now in October. It's ridiculous. I they, They've never had a movie like this delayed, like where they've actually listed it and then they've pulled it and then relisted it and then had to pull it again. I remember there was like the last time I can think of anything close to it was like McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Like it was supposed to come mm-hmm. out the one month and then they had to delay it like a whole month or two to get it right. But this is like un- <laughs> unprecedented in like modern era like that I can think of. It's, abs- hey, Jared, it's absurd. What do you get out of lying so much? Uh, is this Othello even a fucking movie or do you just make this up all the time to talk well, about well, stuff? Well, to go back to sexual gratification. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, what's your yeah. news, RJ? Hey, do, also going back, do you guys remember when I talked about a book like eight months ago on the show? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you may ask why I'm talking about a book. And I was like, I heard that people are trying to buy the movie rights to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, this just this is hot news, Jared. Netflix to adapt Josh Mallerman's Bird Box starring Sandra Bullock. So if people remember this Bird Miss Box. Miscongeniality. That's true. Yes, miscongeniality. Uh, Bird Box was a book by this guy, Josh Mallerman. I read it a while ago. I really liked the story and the idea about it. But I thought he was a bad writer. Mm-hmm. This guy's like he's he writes horror stories, but he's actually like in a rock band that's not very good. And so that's like what his actual job is. So he just kind of writes horror stories on the side. And there there this guy fits in the weird fiction catalog mm. of writers like the John Langans and the uh, uh, layered barons and stuff like that. I see his name in there a lot. So. It's kind of the guy, the type of people that I hate. But uh, this was one of those books that I was almost kind of duped in. It's not bad. It's like I said, I really like the idea. I just think he's a bad writer. Um, but apparently, uh, Netflix is going to do this now. And I think at the time, someone else had the rights to this. So I guess Netflix bought them. Hmm. And it's going to star Sandra Bullock. And it's going to have Oscar-winning Danish director Susan Beer from In a Better World, Brothers and Serena, and your buddy, Jarrett, mm. Oscar-nominated screenwriter, the writer of your favorite movie from Denny Villeneuve, Arri- oh, no, wait, oops, big mistake. I thought it was Arrival, but it was actually The Arrival. So like Oscar the Charlie nominated- Sheen movie? Oscar-nominated Eric Heiserer, who wrote <laughs> The Arrival? Okay, 
Never mind. Who cares? I flubbed <laughs> that one up. Whatever. But anyway, Sandra Bullock's going to be in it. It's going to be a movie. So I talked about it once, and now it's happening. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it as a movie because half of the book is characters with their eyes closed, just listening to what's happening. So um, <laughs> That sounds exactly like the type of movie that gets made these days. Yeah, no, that's like the, the plot of the movie or the book is that like there's interdimensional beings and when you look at them, you go crazy. So oh, there's this. a mother who has two kids and they grow up blindfolded and they have their eyes closed. Oh, by the way, the Eric Heiserer did indeed write Arrival. Okay. Well, that's what I thought. So yeah. you'll love this. Yeah, it'll be my favorite movie of the year. But it's going to be a Netflix movie who also today, apparently, Christopher Nolan said Netflix movies are trash and he doesn't really care. So <laughs> he, he's like, I don't understand their business model. They're killing theaters. <laughs> or or not killing theaters. He's just like, it doesn't make any sense. Man, I saw, Christopher I saw Nolan always has hot takes. No wonder people hate him. <laughs> Yeah, I saw this pop up on four different fucking sites where it said Christopher Nolan slams Netflix. Oh and yeah, slams, slams. That's the hot thing, Jared. Where it's like oh, that's uh, been a hot thing for a long time. Figure, quote unquote, slams an mm-hmm. idea or something else. I fucking hate that. Well, I read the article. He doesn't slam anything. He's just like, I think Netflix is stupid. He's like, those aren't really, oh, those aren't real that's movies. Slam to me. Yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. Um, so that was my bird box news. Um, and you know what? I think, uh, I'm officially calling, I called this before a couple months ago, but, uh, I think the dark tower movie is dead for real this time. It's coming out though. It's, it's dead on arrival. Fuck. Well, I couldn't believe when I saw how short it was. <laughs> oh yeah. So Stephen King actually, so Stephen King's doing more press for this movie than any movie he's ever like semi- loosely been affiliated with because he wrote the book mm-hmm. um he yeah he had a tweet about it. he's like yeah it's a crisp run he's like no uh, all filler or <laughs> yeah all filler no killer no uh, all killer no filler or something like that but um i saw today there was a a reddit ask me anything on the director from the dark tower yeah. and then in on the other side i saw an interview with andy muschetti who directed it right and you you couldn't get like two like more vastly different ideas on how to approach something like Mm -hmm. the ama with the dark tower director okay wait i'll start with it because that actually sounds good the director of it was talking about how the sequel's been greenlit and they're going to try to start filming next year if they can and how the first movie they they just wanted to make like a good movie about kids and like what's scary for kids and they uh did a lot of like a month before the movie, all the kids kind of like lived together because they tried to wanted to make them like friends and how they kept uh, the guy who was Pennywise, how they kept him off set. So the kids never really saw him until like they were actually filming mm-hmm. and uh, how he kind of had to change like in the book. Uh, he takes on what's scary and it's like Dracula and Frankenstein and werewolf or the Wolfman, like he takes on the forms of that because that's what was scary for kids. And how in this, he, they kind of had to like, they kind of had to change it a little bit because that stuff's not really scary to kids anymore. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about, like he was talking about how like, it seems like he really kind of understood it, like the material. And then you, I read the AMA with the director of Dark Tower and he's talking about how, it like the first one, the most upvoted one was like, it, 
it's like, what would you, what advice would you give to fans of the books and, uh, who are nervous? And he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm the most nervous fan of the book there is. He's like, I didn't want to ruin anything. I just hope you guys enjoy it. And then he's talking about how he, they're just trying to make it accessible to new fans. And this is kind of like that franchisey shit I was talking about where like they, they're just trying to build a franchise. Like it doesn't sound like they were trying to make a good movie. Mm-hmm. All, all he was talking about is they were trying to make something accessible to new people and they want to like, they hope that they can make a bunch of these. It, nowhere did he say he tried to make a, a good movie. Is this, is this going to be like the golden compass? <laughs> it's going to be bad, man. I, 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 I wish it wouldn't, or I wish it wasn't. I love uh, Big Steve, and it's his biggest book series, and I, I, I wish it was good, but I think it's going to be really bad. You know, I think Steve will be okay. You know, He'll be fine. And you, know, just, and you know why he's coming out supporting this movie, probably? Because it's not like, hey, if I do that, like I'll sell a book. No, he'll sell seven books. Yeah, no, no, I get that. Like, he yeah. supports his stuff, but, like, he, so he whatever they're like adapting like that Mr. Mercedes is coming out next month a TV show made by a phone company AT&T and like he had one tweet he was just like it looks good and like that was it but this for Dark Tower he's saying stuff all the time because I think he gets like flooded by people who are just like man this movie looks like fucking shit and so like that's like I, I get it like you have to like you got to promote your own stuff but uh, he's he's promoting this one more than I've ever seen him promote stuff before, and I feel like it's going to just be fucking horrible. Maybe I'll eat my words, Jarrett, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, it looks pretty generic. Um, I'm getting tired, and we still have to talk about a fucking Holy movie. Shit. Yeah, we do. Okay, let's get, let's get <laughs> well, to it. Well, after the break, um, if we're not asleep, uh, we learn to yep. laugh again. Um, uh, we'll try. We'll try. Do you worship the babe in the manger, but reject the Christ of the cross? Your redemption comes not by the manger, but the death of Christ on the God's only son who came to the world to die. The babe in the manger could never have done the work of his God on high. The babe left the manger and went to to pay the wages of sin, your way of forgiveness is not by the babe, but the Christ who died for your sins. If you worship the babe in the manger, but ignore the blood of Everyone knows the glorious story of the child born in a faraway manger. 
Well, this isn't that story. <laughs> this is Monty Python's all-new Life of Brian. He was born into the golden age of Roman rule. Do we have any crucifixions today? 139, sir. Special celebration. It was a time of miracles. I was blind, and now I can see. <laughs> Friendly persuasion and gracious invaders. But there was just one thing on everyone's mind. Sex, 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 that's all they think about her. <laughs> oh, dear. In those days, getting stoned wasn't against the law. It was the law. <laughs> and things looked bad for the people of Jerusalem. Still a few crosses left. Until Brian dropped in. He was a born leader. Brothers, brothers, we should be struggling together. We are. A potential martyr. What would they do to me? Oh, you'll probably get away with crucifixion. Crucifixion? Yeah. First offense. And his mother's joy. What are you telling them? They think I'm the Messiah, Mum. I'm the Messiah! And now, it's up to Brian to deliver a despairing nation from the throes of oppression. <laughs> Tough luck, Jerusalem. This is the life of Brian. Just when you thought you were saved. It's Monty Python's Life of Brian. He wasn't the Messiah. He was a very naughty boy. Terrific race, the Romans. Terrific. And we're back. And tonight we're talking about Life of Brian from 1979, directed by Terry Jones. Uh, and here's a synopsis from Letterboxd. The tagline of the film, he wasn't the Messiah, he was a very naughty boy. Brian Cohen is an average Jewish man, but through a series of ridiculous events, he gains a reputation as the Messiah. When he's not dodging his followers or being scolded by his shrill mother, the hapless Brian has to contend with the pompous Pontius Pilate and acronym-obsessed members of a separatist movement. Rife with Monty Python's signature absurdity, the tale finds Brian's life paralleling biblical lore, a bite with many more laughs. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so quite funny. Yeah, it's it's uh it's some copy, all right. Uh huh. So uh, Lever Brian is uh it's a Monty Python movie. It's their third theatrical movie they did after their the their much now celebrated television show Flying Circus which ran mm-hmm. through the 70s, um, their first movie, and now for something completely different. Uh, all they did well, pretty much was redo sketches, their most successful mm-hmm. stuff from the Flying Circus show. And then they went and made that uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like a huge, huge, huge hit. Uh, super popular to this day. 
And then they went and made their third movie, which uh, I believe Eric Idle like initially like pitched as like Jesus Christ, like something like uh, Lust for Glory or something like that mm-hmm. <laughs> was the original pitch for it. And they're like, haha, isn't that funny? But then they kind of wound up making a movie that was uh, Christ-like because it would be so irreverent yeah. back in that period of time, the late 70s, getting a little saucy, taking on the Bible that people take so seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came to Monty Python as like a whole concept, uh, kind of like, I don't know. It was like on syndication when I was a kid. And it was always kind of like this like weird, like kind of like Doctor Who <laughs> as right. talked about earlier. But like I, I knew it was like a comedy show. So I remember trying to watch it at times, but it was just like, what is this British stuff? What is this all about? And uh, so I never like watched it. It was always like, I remember my parents always used to like make some dismissive comments about Monty Python is like this one guy that my dad worked with. Uh, he was like a big like British comedy fan. And they're like, oh yeah, he <laughs> likes that British stuff like Benny Hill and like flying like in the Flying Circus. And I don't get it. That's what my, my parents always said. I don't get it. And yeah. uh, I was like, so that was like kind of like what I always heard was like, oh that British stuff's weird. But um, and then and then I remember watching what was you know you know uh, Holy Grail held up is like one of the greatest comedies of all time. And my friend, right. I think Mike at the time, he had a copy of it. And I remember watching it uh, when he was visiting one summer, like decades ago, and kind of being like, oh, what is this? Like, this is mm-hmm. kind of weird. There's like funny bits in it and funny scenes, but I don't really get what this is all about. This doesn't like feel like Dumb and Dumber at all. This is like, like this, yeah. this doesn't feel like Coneheads. This doesn't feel like blank. Like it's a, it's not mm-hmm. an American comedy. Um, it's like it looks like dreary and kind of shitty and like very mm-hmm. like like what is this thing? This it feels European. Um, and so I was like, oh, whatever, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I don't care. <laughs> and then, like, years later, uh, once again, friend Corey, uh, he all he was a fan of British stuff. And he had, like, a little bit of a collection festering because the stuff was starting to come out on DVD. So he'd have, like, Faulty Towers and Blackadder. Uh, and, like, I was – so he started, like, acclimating me to this stuff and, like, saying, oh, you mm-hmm. should watch this. Oh, you should watch this one. And uh, so I started, like, you know, feeling my way through it. And like, cause there's like sort of like at times, uh, particularly with some of the accents, like there's not, they're not everyone sounds posh and stuff like that. There's things like that weird, like, like lower class, <laughs> like gobbledygook. It sounds like that the characters are saying, like, what the fuck did they just say? I need subtitles on. Yeah. Um, yeah. anyway, so that was kind of my, my initiation into like, mm, British comedy and into like a little bit of, uh, uh, Monty Python and I've only ever mm-hmm. watched like a little bit of Monty Python Flying Circus not a ton of it just to know it's like oh it's there it's okay I guess it's funny at times but like most like you go back and watch like a lot of 70s comedies like Saturday Night Live the stuff that's like heralded as like all time brilliance of comedy it's like mm, it's fine it's there it's not great uh, mm-hmm. it's like people love, really love SCTV too it's just like yeah it's it's not awesome or anything like that so Life of Brian comes along and I watch that movie and I've always had like, uh, like probably particularly around that time, I had like a interest in like Christendom and like religion, just because like I was working mm-hmm. on being a like ardent atheist, and so something like Life of Brian, yeah, one was of those like, jerks, one of those jerks uh, that was yeah. like, so this movie was like right up my alley. Um, but like, yeah, I I fucking love Life of Brian. I think this movie mm-hmm. is like 
so good. Uh, and like, it's been years since I'd watched it last. And I was kind of like, oh man, sometimes like there's been a few of these movies, like the night Porter. I'm like, yeah, I remember mm-hmm. really liking that movie. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, this isn't good at all. Um, and watching this, I was like, nope, this movie's awesome. Um, I bet I will. It's like, it's, it's Monty Python. Uh, there's a lot of wordplay. These guys are like super, mm-hmm. super smart clever people um and i think there is like i don't know if you just get dropped into like monty python i have no idea how someone's going to feel about this stuff but like i've watched this movie quite a bit and i've watched like now like probably i've watched all their movies and i've watched a lot of british stuff and i have a pretty good sense that this movie is pretty funny um and I, I basically just wrote a bunch of notes of my favorite gags and things that i'm like oh man i totally forgot about that uh and I, again uh there's no time code for me on this movie uh i just it just it, it doesn't last long enough uh because it's a comedy for me but i don't know rj uh how did you feel about life of brian uh i believe this was a rewatch for you but was it a rewatch for you in the same sense that dawn of the dead was a movie that you had seen once when you were a little kid and you just didn't remember much of it at all or what uh this one was a little bit more in my memory it was i would i would say this was a rewatch i'd watched it a couple years ago okay um where I sit with Monty Python, uh, I watched that Holy Grail when I was younger, like probably younger to know what was funny at the time. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like you said, I was like 12 or something. And I was like, I don't really understand why this is funny, but whatever. It's funny. Haha. <laughs> yeah. That kind of stuff. The rabbit um, kills people. The rabbit. The black yeah, knight. Guy, yeah. He's got no limbs. Super fun. Um, so it was like kind of stuff like that. Um, where I am with Monty Python now is I like it. I think what they did was really cool. I think they're really smart guys. I think Monty Python is old person comedy. <laughs> and I honestly, I like Life of Brian, but mm. there was a lot of times where I was just like, Ugh. <laughs> um, it's i think it's some of the stuff is a little labored and i think it's just kind of i think it's not eight like dated because i think a lot of people still really like this stuff i think for me personally i've gotten past that point and i don't like i used to find some of that stuff funny but i don't really anymore um and it sounds like i don't like this movie i do there's just a few things that i don't like where there, there's a few scenes that are a little much, I think. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, um, I, I, I don't even remember what this was now. I watched this movie yesterday or two days ago, and I wrote down the master scene is a little much, and I don't remember what the master scene was. But then I also wrote down the biggest dickest scene, which is <laughs> equally a little much. So Aww. it's like that. It's like that. <laughs> Those scenes and then like the scene where um like the whole clan of people goes to Brian's window and they're just repeating stuff over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's stuff like that. At where I'm at now in my life, I'm just like, okay, I get it. Okay. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like it, it's it, I think it goes a little long. So th- those are those are my my criticisms, I guess, is I think I think it's the humor appeals more to old people. 
and like I'm not I'm not young or anything like that but um I think I think it missed me Mm. I think 80s kids really love this shit and I'm a 90s kid and I think it I think it missed me but I I see where the humor is and there was a lot of stuff that I was laughing at that I thought was really funny like when they call Moses a Red Sea pedestrian and like the snacks at the Coliseum and buying good stones for the stoning mm-hmm. like stuff like like all that stuff I think is really funny and I think it's pretty sharp satire um and it's like what you were saying I think they're really smart and I like a lot of it they're just a few things that I'm not not my particular brand of humor but I mean what I think is funny is a little different from what a lot of people is funny and Andrea said this the other day where she's one time she told me that I I laugh more at my own jokes than I laugh at anyone else's jokes which is true I think I'm funnier than anyone else not like in a not in like a a dick way like I just like my jokes better Mm -hmm. and then for example of one of my jokes was that uh, it's like if a guy was to tell me that he really loves carrots I would be like hey this guy loves potatoes like in a way like that where it's like I don't I don't know why I think shit like that is really funny but I do and I feel like it's a little different I feel like people don't really understand my humor sometimes um and now I'm talking I'm just talking about myself uh, anyways, but, okay. I'll, I'll say that like that's fine to do because I mean we're talking about yeah. comedy, and I think comedy is like one of the hardest things hard to, to like discuss. Because like I mean I don't I mean I'm not a com- I don't think of myself as a comedian at all. Like I just I, I'm not that type of performer in my mind. Like I don't think that way. Um, I would say I'm, I have a dry sense of humor. Um, so like I would agree on th- that. Th- this is like definitely uh, and like wordplay and like the things that how people say it that stuff like I find really funny and I mean like I would definitely say that yeah like I find like there's like so even like in the field of like say British comedy and this is like a thing that goes you're, this is like an argument that's been like held a lot because sometimes like Monty Python just doesn't work for people and there's like nothing yeah. you can do to change that like it's just like you it either works for you or it doesn't and there's like it's so it's super like, it's a, kind of agreed upon that it's it's subjective so i mean yeah. there's not much you yeah, can do right. like it all depends on just like the type of person you are so i mean like i'm not surprised yeah. that you didn't lo- love life of brian i'm kind of disappointed because it means it's like less fun to talk about because you're like like not as into it as me because it's like it's yeah, like it's I like know. hey man wasn't that scene hilarious uh yeah, yeah, it was fine, I guess. Because, I mean, biggest dick is hilarious. <laughs> and just, like, yeah. the whole buildup of it. And just, like, just, then the choice yeah. is he, <laughs> he has a wife, you know. And it's just, like, it's because mm-hmm. like, it's just, like, oh, God. And it just keeps going and going. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I like the biggest dickest thing. I just think it runs long. And I know, like, that's what some people love is, like, those humor, the the, the bits that are, like, drawn out. I, I get that, too. But it's kind of what you are saying where – Comedy is hard to talk about. It's kind of like what I was saying with Spinal Tap. Yeah. Uh, that's because it's like it's hard to too. talk about because all I have written down was like the jokes that I liked. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just here to tell you the jokes I like, it's one of those things. It's it's not as funny when you're telling someone what the joke is yeah. instead of just experiencing it. So I don't know, Jer. Um <laughs> Like, it's like, I like it. And like, I like Monty Python and stuff like that. I think it's funny. It was just, uh, I don't know, man. I think, I think it's like I said, I think it missed me. 
I don't know. I don't know what it was. My era was all about the Pokemons <laughs> and the Bill Cosby's, the rapists, uh, yeah, stuff like that. So for, for whatever reason, uh, uh, I Bo- think Bo- Bill Cosby's like older than this. Like, no, I was just kidding. That was the, for some reason that was all that I, popped I, in my head. I but don't. Like, I think because Ghost Dad, because you, because you're, yeah, because well, that's yeah, but that's my weird own obsession with Ghost Dad. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, I don't know, like. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard it's hard for me to talk about because there are things that I really liked. It's like I said, I think they're really smart. I think their jokes are well written, and they they obviously did like a lot of uh, research for to like write the script. Like I feel like they they like have the uh, the way the scenes are not the scenes, the landscapes and how things look. I think they did really well. Um, well, things like that yeah, they, and like well, they the way shot, they talk they, about stuff yeah so they shot in Tunisia which is like where they shot like it was like a, a bio like well Jesus of Nazareth had just been shot there like the year oh, okay. earlier so they just reused the same like place and the same sites oh, and perfect. stuff like that so they just redressed it and uh, my like some of like my favorite stuff when I watch this movie is like so uh, so Terry Jones directed this movie but um, Terry Gilliam like because they worked on uh, Mont- like Holy Grail together um, and then for this time they agreed, you know, it's best if we don't work together because it slows everything down. And so Terry Gilliam's like thing was he was in charge of like production design. So like all the like the great attention to detail, like uh, like just limbs and bodies and the filthiness of like living in like you know 33 AD, mm-hmm. it's all there. And like there's like the crucifixion, like you see like, like these yeah. like old bodies like just left up on the crucifixion and like like just how just like shitty beards and cr- grossness. It's all mm-hmm. like. Like that's that's Terry Gilliam there, and I mean that's like his love of like Pasolini and Fellini and like real like real yeah. like Criterion type of movies. Like he was mm-hmm. all about that, and he brings that into this to give it that authenticity. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. Like stuff like that, I thought was really good, and it's like I was saying, I just think that shows that <laughs> their attention to things, I guess. Or mm-hmm. it's like I said, I think they are smart guys, mm-hmm. uh, and I I do like a lot of the They're like all, the jokes. Uh, Oxford boys. Oxford, yeah. yeah. My my favorite, so. <laughs> uh, my favorite line was when they are talking about their big sabotage plot when they're like raiding the thing. Yep. And uh, he's like, if anybody asks, we're sewage workers on the, on our way to a conference. <laughs> and I thought I thought that was actually really fucking funny. Because it's about um, poop. Well, no, no, just the idea, <laughs> the idea where it's just like if anyone asks, we're sewage workers on the way to a conference. And it's like, what conference? So I, I thought that was particularly very funny. And it's like I said, like, I like a lot of it. Fake beards. Mm-hmm. Uh, when that guy says he's talking about no city because he's talking to, like, <laughs> Jewish people. And he's talking about huge noses. Um, Big nose. I don't, yeah, and it's like I was saying, like, the gladiator snacks. Just the way they talk about things in a... Uh, Aardvark snouts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, the way they talk about things were... It's it's one of those things too where it's not like an over analyzing of situations, but it's like when people like go a little bit more into things than they need to. Like I like that kind of humor, but I feel like that also fits in with the extended gag. Like I was talking about that I don't like where scenes drag on. So I don't know. It's a fine line for me because I feel like those things go hand in hand where people who like one like the other, and they're just like, yeah, this movie's an all time banger. Mm. But uh, for me, I. I don't know, dude. I thought I would like it more than I did. And I don't really know why I didn't like it more. I thought it was funny, but there were a lot of times that I kind of just drifted. Like, honestly, my timestamp, I didn't 
I didn't write it down, but it was probably like 25 minutes, maybe oh, really? half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Because I was just like, man, how much have I watched to this movie? <laughs> so like, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's, it's kind of like what we said. I think we talked about this in spinal tap, even it's just comedy. Even if it's great comedy, I feel like not dated or aging, but I, f- I think for generations, it may stick with some people more than others. And that's a very vague way of making a vague way of me saying that I didn't love it. I liked mm. it, mm. but and as an excuse, it's like, I feel like it's a generational thing, which is maybe not true. Cause I'm sure there's guys my age who fucking love this movie. But well, no, there for sure. There is like, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with age per se. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I think the the Marx Brothers are hilarious. Like they're like, and that's yeah. like the fucking thirties. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Laurel and Hardy are great. Chaplin's great. Keaton's great. Um, yeah. If if I wanted to like pick on somebody that I'm like I don't get it, uh, Jerry Lewis. Uh, I fucking hate Jerry Lewis. Oh, he's garbage. Yeah. Uh, but people loved him. Uh, but he I can't stand that crap. Uh, right. It's like it's just painful. I hate his characters. He just mm-hmm. is, is the worst. Uh, and like even like Mel Brooks movies, I don't <laughs> like Mel Brooks. Actually, uh, that that's a perfect fucking example because that's another of these all time classic comedies that I don't really get. So sorry, I cut you off, but like mm. I feel the same. I actually I feel worse about Mel Brooks movies than I do Monty Python because I do I do like Monty Python and I do think they're funny. I just don't love them mm-hmm. like a lot of people do. And it's the same with Mel Brooks movies where it's like I watch them and it's like it's fine, but it's like I'm not fucking busting out of busting a gut. Mm. I'm not. It's not a knee slapper. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, so yeah, I cut, I cut you off, but that, I think that's a, a great example for, mm. for my well, argument. Cause here. like things like young Frank, well, no, I mean, I don't right. even think it's your, it's not even an argument. I think it's just like, it's, it goes back to the comedy is so subjective and it's just like going to work right. or not. Um, like, cause like, let's say with Mel Brooks, like blazing saddles, young Frankenstein, the producers, like those are like, kind of like the ones that like people will say, Oh no, if, if you may not like, uh, like space balls, you might not like Dracula dead <laughs> yeah. and loving it. Uh, uh, Robin hood, uh, men in tights, but you'll fucking love these three. And it's always like, nah, you know, I watched those movies, young Frankenstein, so fucking boring to me. Um, Blazing Saddles is I got, yeah. got, I got a couple of really funny moments, but for the most part, it's just like oh yeah, nothing special. And the producers I've never like particularly cared for. Um, mm-hmm. But like, so I mean, it's 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 weird because there's like people that would swear up and down. It's like these were the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. And then I'll be like, well, Dumb and Dumber actually is like one of the best movies I've ever seen. And like, it's for, for it comedy, but, but there's people that like genuinely will just be like, it's, it's mm-hmm. a, there's a time and place. And I think like when you watch stuff, when you're like at a particular age, it's really going to define so much of your like sense of comedy and humor. Um, mm-hmm. and like, you have to like get that in there then and there or work toward it and watch and work at it and like go out of your way to like watch more and more comedy right. to like get into it, I guess. But I no, I think I think you nailed it on the head there where it's just like it, when you watch it at a certain age, it kind of like some of the like the old comedies that I love, like my favorite old comedies are ones that I watched when I was really young mm. where I didn't talk about it this week. I will next week, but uh, I watched some Pauly Shore movies. <laughs> yeah. And people fucking hate Pauly Shore a lot. 
but I really like those movies because I watched them when I was a little kid. And like, uh, I'll give you the full rundown another okay. time because yeah. <laughs> this isn't the Polly Shore show. But it's like I, I think it fits in that where it's like sometimes movies that I've I saw when I was really young they stick with me a lot better than other ones. Yeah. And you know what? Talking about Mel Brooks, you know what movie uh, movies I like of Mel Brooks? Hmm. Robin Hood, Men in Tights. And fucking Dracula dead and loving it. <laughs> not Spaceballs. Spaceballs sucks. Um, no, not sucks, but whatever. Uh, I, yeah, I don't I don't much care for Blazing Saddles. I don't think it's that great. Mm-hmm. Not, not that it's not great, but it's like I said, I don't really just, it's not my kind of humor, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, that's our big comedy talk. Uh, big comedy, so yeah. So th- things I like about this movie. Terry, yeah, laid on me. So Terry Jones' drag is just hilarious to me. It's like because it's yeah. like he's like the most un un uh, least convincing women you could imagine. Because <laughs> he just mm-hmm. like does it like his screechy horrible voice. Like he's just like the ugliest type of woman, like, like the form of femininity you can imagine. And of course, it's a man right. doing it. So it's like this is this like horrific uh, like crone cliche that like it's just so funny because mm-hmm. he just goes so far with it uh we get great lines and plays on words like with homage <laughs> we come to pay homage keep that away from me pervert i think that's hilarious um <laughs> uh, and then you get uh terry terry jones asking the question we've all been asking what is myrrh anyway it's like that's yeah. a, that's a good question what is myrrh um things smell like it and it's 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 useless um we get the mm-hmm. great play on words of bomb and bomb um which is mm-hmm. like always been like yeah those words do sound a lot alike and if you don't mm-hmm. write it, if you don't write them out they can be very confusing uh right. we get the we get Brian's song a great James Bond right. send up uh, with some Terry Gilliam animation and mm-hmm. essentially, the movie plays out immediately that we're getting the B story of Christ. Uh, we get the Sermon at the Mount, yeah. uh, which I think is like played awesomely with the giant pull out from the mound where you're hearing the words and it goes further and further. And it plays with the simple idea of like, wait, the people in the back wouldn't have been able to hear him. There was no sound system. And like, like yeah. people would be like, well, what do you say? And like, that's like exactly how it play. Yep. it's like fantastic. It's like, yep, that's what people would just be like, oh, I think he's blessed are the cheesemakers. The cheesemakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that stuff was good. Oh, one other thing I actually really like, Jared, is I like how they all play like fifteen different roles. Oh fuck yeah. And even <laughs> even like to each other at like a couple <laughs> points where it's the same actor talking to the same actor but in different costumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that is really funny. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Well I, I love that like yeah, characters will literally leave the scene and then they'll be replaced by the same actors playing their own roles. It's like yeah, yeah you, you didn't they didn't have to do that, but it's like that's the gimmick. It's a sketch comedy troupe, even though they have like a larger scale and scope to their productions yeah. it's like no nah, we're just going to stick to like we need john cleese is the authoritative character because he's the biggest that's like and he has like the the best voice to do it because he sounds right. like a dick and he plays uh, he plays straight man very very well but he can also play an idiot really really well too um i think this is one of the greatest explorations of biblical times i've ever seen <laughs> uh but we'll be seeing it we'll be seeing another one like in a few weeks <laughs> With Last Temptation of Christ. With the um, sexiest interpretation of Jesus H. Christ you've ever mm-hmm. seen. With uh, Green Goblin. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's a, an exploration of the horror of being stoned to death. Uh, while like making it like, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's funny. And it's like, because you always hear about that idea of like, oh, being stoned to death. Oh, it doesn't sound so bad. And... Uh, <laughs> 
I don't know. <laughs> There's like I don't know the 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 anachronisms are, are really good. Like I mean, it's all like part yeah. of the joke of it. Like just how British everybody is. Like <laughs> oh, I don't know, be nice. I want. Oh, she's such a like touching girl. Like, yeah. Blah blah blah. I'm trying to keep the British accent shit to a minimum because it's like it's really easy to want to do that when you're do, like when you're talking about British comedy, and it's mm-hmm. cringy and it's bad. So I'm oh, I'm trying to keep it in check. Um, and yeah, just like how bloodthirsty the women are. Uh, I think that's cute. Yeah. It's a nice little bit. And they're doing their, like their, their high pitched voice and they're, Oh no, no, I'm a man. It's good. It's like, it's cause it's playing on what they do, what yeah. they've always done. When they need women, they do it And here. It's like, well, it's funnier if it's actually women playing men. Um, yeah. Crucified bodies. note. Uh, the idea of an ex lepa. Uh, I like, yeah. I remember like the first time I ever watched this, I was like, what? Like, cause I don't know if I knew what a leper was, or I didn't understand what Michael Palin was saying. Right. Um, I was like, what is like, what's X leper? And why is he like, is he an, a leaper? Like, is that the mm-hmm. joke? He's a leaper and not a leper, but it's like, oh no, he got better. And he still is like, well, I can't find work still. So he's just, he's a perfectly abled, uh, panhandler who just yep. wants money. Um, well, yeah, 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 I like that. Michael yeah. Palin's wicked in this movie. Yep. Oh, I, I think they're all, pretty, they're all good. Yeah. They're all yeah. pretty good. They're all good. Um, and then, yeah, I love that just uh, the whole thing of Mr. Cohen is not your father. Uh, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like Cohen's such like a hilariously Jewish name. So, and like, seriously, it's like considering like the, the era that this movie came out of, this movie's like fairly like, I don't know. So, okay, we haven't even touched upon this whole thing. Like, so this movie was like, blasphemous when it came out or mm-hmm. deemed blasphemous by people who never watched it saying oh this is outrageous you can't talk about Christ this way and it's like no they actually don't like in fact they actually like pretty well chalk up the ideas of like yeah all Christ stuff was like actually common sense that we should all practice like treating people well what a novel yep. idea and just um the idea that this movie's like nastier mean it's like no like Christ like this movie's got a uh <laughs> Christ uh it's it's got a um uh, it's got a like uh, I guess like an early like transgender character in it and it's done yeah, it does. and it's done, like pretty damn tastefully yeah, <laughs> like, it, yeah yeah like they're very respectful of Loretta and it's like wow like I when they when that first popped up I was kind of like getting ready for like oh god I don't remember mm-hmm. where this goes oh Jesus and it's like oh no that's actually pretty smart this the absurdity yep. of like you can't have children but we will defend the right that you can have children in principle <laughs> it's like right. uh, it's good uh, and then yes, Nautius Maximus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you gotta you gotta do those Roman jokes. Um, mm-hmm. And then we cut to the Colosseum with like dismembered bodies and parts, and the title comes up: Children's Matinee. That <laughs> that's hilarious. That's that's uh, yeah. that's uh, UHF quality humor, RJ. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's up there. Yeah, and then we get to deal with the uh, uh, the issue the the how the left politically devours itself and cannot agree on what its message is, which some people would say is a problem that plagues the left in 2017. But here it is mm-hmm. in the 1970s talked about in terms of the night, like of 33 AD uh, here with the people's front of Judea. <laughs> it's like, are you the Judean people's front? Fuck off. Uh, so good. The, just uh, one of the things I, I mentioned later on, but I'll just mention it here is I absolutely love, I think like the thing that appeals to me so much with like, like Monty Python is like indignation in mm-hmm. uh, all the characters. Like everybody just so sensitive and like thin skinned right. and like easily offended. Like everything you can say is just like, what did you say? What do you mean? It's like, I yep. fucking love it. It's like, it, it brings like so much comedy and like just frustration and 
anger with people. And it's like, mm-hmm. when you have a nice person who has to deal with that, it just keeps escalating. It's a great formula for comedy. Um, yep. and they do it. That's like their whole shtick actually. Um, mm-hmm. and then of course there's the, uh, brilliant scene of what have the Romans ever done for us, which I think is really, really good and timeless. Um, Mm -hmm. All these things, it's like, well, what have they really done for us? And then an example, the aqueducts. Whenever I, that was like my first introduction to the word aqueduct was from this movie. I had no idea what an aqueduct was. And it's like, that's that's exactly what the Romans invented. It was the aqueducts and now they have them. And then young Jared took off to the library with a piece of scribe with aqueduct written on it mm-hmm. and he's like I will find out what this means. It's like some sort of like duck animal like the water duck is it duck or yeah, what? The aqua that, duck. that seems like redundant. Like ducks are aquatic. I don't know what ducks are. Yeah. Uh, yep, and I yeah. I love that Terry Gilliam always wants to play the filthiest men because he oh, plays. I, I did like that. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's like fucking. He's like ass in his like little dirty, <laughs> smelly underwear, and he's like hunchback or whatever. I think he's was the jail, the mad jailer. I think this is uh, credit. He is like oh fuck. I just love his grunts and sounds. And later on, he has like some of the fucking best lines of like all time. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, like, the man shackled to the wall, uh, he basically reminds me of Twitter users who talk about politics. Um, yeah. Just, like, talk about, like, people who defend, like, the police when they, like, have murdered black people. And they're like, oh, you have no idea how great it was. You should you know, it was like this. There's people like this. They're just, like, you can't argue with because they just, like, they're... They're they're broken. They're um, mm-hmm. just they're hopeless, and it's like so. That's good. That's good. Michael Palin right there. Um, and then when uh, Brian gets brought before the Pontius Pilate uh, with his lisp, uh, we get uh, the funniest thing amongst the biggest dickus is John Cleese slapping Brian in the head. <laughs> like, it's, oh, like yeah. it's so fucking like because there's times where they even do like a jump cut because they might have missed it and they had to make mm-hmm. it connect or they added a jump cut to make it even funnier. Mm-hmm. Um, I just fucking like love it and throwing him to the ground and just like the ridiculous like how Brian wants to correct uh, pilots like uh, yeah. his uh, speech impediment uh, and he just like gets slapped around for it. <laughs> it's like I don't know. It, it's I I can see that being like some people, not people's speed, but I don't know. For uh, me, I, I like that one actually. <laughs> That's one I did like. I the jump cut that you talk about. Yeah. I I noticed that too, and I was like, oh, I like that. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, I like when they do that. And then we get the escape. We get the uh, alien sequence, which yeah. uh, which I read on. Uh, Wikipedia, George Lucas uh, gave him props for. He thought it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Why? I don't fucking know. I think the alien scenes, like, it's like, it's some dumb, it's dumb humor. Like, it, yeah. but I think they're okay with that. Like, they're truly all, okay, what does he yeah, do? How, how do we get out of the situation where like, he's, he's in the, like, the emperor, he's in the Pontius's like palace. Like, how would he escape? Well, he climbs up a tallest point, he falls off, and then an alien ship picks him up and drops him off safely, and he the pursuit continues. Like, that's it. That's all he thought of. And he's like, who gives yep. a shit? It's fucking movies. It's a comedy. Uh, we mm-hmm. get the haggling scene. The haggling scene is meh, Eric Idle. Yep. It's like it's fine. It's like not bad. It's absurd. Again, it's the indignation thing, but it's like whatever. It's like not awesome jokes or anything like that it's right. just there um but i absolutely love the multiple prophets of the time thing 
Um, it always brings me back to like one of my favorite, like unexplored eras of like American history, which is like kind of like the uh, revival era, like the 1820s where like, there was like, just like this idea of like, like hundreds of guys going out into like, like the West of like America unexplored. And they're like, come follow me followers. I've got, I've got the ear to God that I'm going to give to you. And just the idea that like, that people would operate that way and be like, yeah, I think this smelly old fucking hobo is going to like... He's got the right idea, and he's going to save us all. Yeah. Like I, I hey, love that hey, stuff. Hey, Jarrett. Yo, can I cut you in on a hot, a hot secret? Sure. People still walk around like smelly old hobos but, and say that they have the ear of God. But it's even like that era though, where it was like on mass, like it was like unprecedented yeah, levels. No, and, you're right. And people yeah. would pick up and leave and like resettle. I mean, the Mormon religion is like the uh, most successful uh, version of that. Like it is. Like yep. it was like completely when everyone says Joseph Smith was the prophet. It's like, well, he was like one of like like hundreds of guys, and all the other ones failed because, and they all probably wound up dead and dying and starving and like going mm-hmm. back to normal life. But like, I find that era just like really weird. Cause it's also like, um, like they're going into a world where it's like, Oh, it's like it, medieval times for all purposes. Like there's no electricity when you're going out West, you're on your own. There's no food. Um, it's, a, and there's like, Oh, there's like inhabitants that are there before you and they don't mm-hmm. want you there. I don't know. I, I think it's awesome. And so like, this is like a comedy version of that. And just the absurdity of like, who's got the best gimmick, who's shoutier, who's got like right. the best sales pitch. Right. Um, really good. Um, and then I think before we get to that whole, the real sequence of when Brian becomes the prophet in that bit, mm-hmm. uh, there's the, when he's hiding out at the people's Ju- front of Judea thing, uh, with all the Roman soldiers doing one of your favorite things, time-lapse <laughs> when they all run in uh, and out. And one of your favorites. I thought of you yeah. when that happened. Cause I'm always, you always complain mm-hmm. about it. Uh, here, I know we got Spike Milligan. Who's like, I'm not sure if you're familiar. So he's like the old, like uh, contrarian old man who says could be worse and he's like no selling yep. uh, John Cleese like in all his scenes like he's gonna get stoned to death and he somehow survived that whole bit because I guess the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the priest got stoned to death himself uh, that's Spike Milligan who's like one of the oh god I'm trying to remember the name they were like the comedy group that like birthed like the, the, the flying circus stuff like the Monty Python stuff like they were like the guys that were like looked up to as like the comedy mm-hmm. godfathers of Britain. And then there's like the next generation where like, uh, oh, again, I'm blinking all their names and Steven's going to give it me shit. Uh, but it's like the guys who were in Bedazzled. Uh, they, the, the Brendan Fraser yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Brendan Fraser, the first. Uh, they're like yep. the next gen. And then it was like the Pythons that carried on that tradition of like mm-hmm. this sort of like uh, sitcom comedy, I guess. Uh, and that's Spike Milligan doing those bits and he's pretty good hmm. in this. Um, but anyway, so back to Brian, he has to, he gets dropped out of the sky into the place of one of the prophets and he has to start doing his like rift to make himself look like a prophet. And there's mm-hmm. like the one like fucking like weird degenerate character who's like, that's a nice God. <laughs> I fucking love like how he's trying to keep up this thing and everyone keeps like yeah. trying to like, <laughs> like sides like i don't know sideswipe him and like just like waylay his like efforts and like don't you want to haggle what's wrong with it then like i just love like mm-hmm. how just like the scene just keeps building and building and like i'm i'm a beer i'm worried about what you've got against the birds um like i fucking <laughs> that, like yeah i that, thought that was yeah, funny that whole sequence is yeah. like i i fucking love it like it's so good uh he's making it up as he goes along i think about that all, all the time <laughs> like just the his like john mm-hmm. cleese's reading of that is so goddamn good um 
And yeah, uh, the, yeah. And they, then from that point, like when people start, like when he starts talking complete sense and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. he's just saying stuff that like would just make life better and you don't have to be religious. These are just like tips for life. Treat people well and like think for yourself. And everyone's yeah. like, wow, wow, he's like the Messiah, I think. And then you get the whole chase of him running away from them. But then you get the comedic genius of having a guy who is trying to hide uh, after jumping on the foot of a mute who lives in a hole <laughs> and whose vow has been inadvertently broken because he just yelped out in pain from his foot being jumped on wants to jump and scream and sing that is so fucking good to me like just like mm-hmm. the thought of doing that whole sequence so like that's how they figure it out like then he fucks this guy's poor life up because he sends people to eat his juniper berries and they all go do that and he's like what the fuck he just ate his juniper berries you're ruining my life like I, I, I've been silent for 18 years and then he starts like strangling Brian and he's like he's the messiah no he's not and he was back to strangling him and then they take him away and they kill him off screen and it's like mm-hmm. wow Brian just ruined this man's life and it's like a I don't know five minute scene and it's just like wow just like I can't even imagine in my life thinking of something like that like clever and like well planned and I can't think of like seeing anything like right. that in any comedy like it's so good it pays off so well um right. And then, of course, we got, yeah, I am the Messiah, now fuck off. And how should we fuck off, Lord? Um, oh, yeah, uh, of course, there's also Terry Jones's little furry ball sack when he's, like, the old man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, again, yeah. Terry Jones is, like, so fucking funny in this. Uh, yeah, we are your your favorite bit. Yes, we are all individuals. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, mm-hmm. uh, my I think probably – more than any other line in this movie now that I, I got to it, uh, John Cleese, when he just grabs Brian and says, you're fucking nicked me, old beauty. I <laughs> think about that way too much, and I kind of have forgotten what movie it was from, and then watching this, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Life of Brian. I just, I love that. <laughs> He's like, how proud he is of himself, of catching him, and it's just like, oh, oh. and it's yeah, just like, okay. the, it's like the slam cut of him just, like, being there, and just grabbing him, and just like, oh, mm-hmm. there he is, and he's so happy. He's like, he didn't even, like, chase after him, he just appeared, and it's that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to get the continued hilarity of speech impediments, because speech impediments are funny. Yeah. Um, we get the... Hey, Jared. Yo. When I was a little kid, I had a speech impediment. Me too. Look at look at that. Look at how our lives have come into crossed paths. Some people who listen to this podcast would probably say, "Hey, Jared still has a speech impediment." Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then there is the uh, apologetic, conflicted Roman soldier in charge of crucifixion. I thought that's very, very charming. Just this, just he's so like crucifixion. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Good. Be, yeah, yeah. Good. Um, and then, but then we get the return of the mad jailer. Like, fuck it. Like when, like when he comes up to Eric Idle's character, who's like, oh no, freedom. What? And like, he's like, Mm -hmm. he's just having a laugh with him. Just kidding. Even though he could have actually just left and he's like totally okay with that. And just like, uh, Terry Gilliam's faces of like, what? (laughs) He's free. Um, but then we get, yeah, just like the fucking scene with like him looking through the charts and talking about all this senseless death. And then you have the other mad uh, Eric Idle stutterer. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and then you have the mad jailer just like. <laughs> um, and then we get his other scene where he goes, we've got lumps of it round the back. Which like I don't even know what the how the fuck anyone would have ever thought of that is like that's what I need to say in that scene is the fact that he's yeah. simple and dumb he doesn't know what he's saying but what lumps of what it's like god damn it fuck this movie is so goddamn good and I'll conclude my um, monologue here yeah uh, with saying always look on the bright side of life 
I think I think that's the message they were trying to say, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good I think that's a good one to follow. Just yeah. look on the bright side. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, anything you want to add? No, I think you summed it up pretty good, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think, I think these comedy movies, we've only had two. I think they're kind of hard to talk about. So I think you did a good job. Good job, Jared. Well, just, uh, recapping the stuff I thought was funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, see, that's what I mean. It's like, I, I have a hard time doing that though, because I've been told what I think is funny is very different from what other people think is mm-hmm. funny. So. I don't know. Next time I'll, I'll take better notes and I'll tell you exactly why. But I do. I love that line, man. If anyone stops us, we're sewage workers on the way to a conference. <laughs> I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. So my ending note, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, well, RJ, there are some people who hate this movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Adam Waldowski. He gave this movie one and a half stars. The manic madcap troupe relies on gags and sketch comedy so tiresome that the 94-minute runtime stretches into eternity. Several bits, such as a gag about haggling for a lower market price, would hardly be funny at an amateur improv night. Instead of biting or clever commentary on religion generally or Christianity specifically, the jokes here are Mm -hmm. only occasionally shocking and almost (laughs) never amusing. Uh... One, one star here from uh, Chronic. Uh, three out of ten. I get the sense that this movie is what it is. <laughs> but hey, I, That's the most honest review I've ever heard. But I couldn't watch it to the end. Nothing against old movies, but after the modern day standards that I get used to, it's just horrible to watch. <laughs> I like this guy. Yeah. He seems fun. Yeah, uh, Steven Savannah, one and a half stars. I think I once heard someone describe this as 94 minutes of beige. I wholeheartedly agree. The jokes can't make up for how unappealing this is to the eye. Which brings up an interesting thing. So my friend Mike, uh, he posted on Facebook a question about, like, what are, like, some modern comedy movies that have been released in the last, like, you know, 20 years that you could describe as cinematic in the sense that like one talks about like Alfred Hitchcock or Spielberg, like what are, um, what are, uh, cinematic modern comedies. And it's like, we had a, like, there's a lot of people responding to this like thread of people. Um, Mm -hmm. and like the one that pops to my mind is something like big Lebowski or like Coen brothers comedies. Those movies are pretty visually striking. Like, um, Mm -hmm. and then of course, like a lot of people are suggesting stuff. that's like kind of like, um, I don't know, 21 jump street or like kind of these things where it's like, well, these are like genre parodies or they're like, um, like even like I, I think I even mentioned even pop star is something else I suggested, but it's like that's also a kind of a genre parody. Like so like the idea of like what these like sort of behind the scenes like super produced musician documentaries look like, they're usually quite nice looking, and like they yeah. they strive for like a certain type of beauty. And that movie definitely does that because Brandon Trost shot it, and he's really good at shooting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but like generally speaking, it seems like the default look of comedy is like bland and like like reality it just it replicates the style of reality that looks like movie reality and that's it like you don't want anything mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't want no flair but like at the same time it's like a lot of cinema comes down to editing and like i think so much of like comedy comes down to editing at times depending on the right. sort of comedy you're doing like reaction shots that sort of thing 
Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I, I thought it's like I think it's the idea that like, this movie is ninety four minutes of beige. It's kind of like, well, if you're not enjoying this movie, that's like an easy thing you can complain about. Um, right. But like for the most part, I mean, that's an, like they shot it in like a desert. Like they actually shot on location, <laughs> um, and like that area, that part of the world is beige and uh brown and uh i mean that's like kind of what those movies yeah. look like that that is the look of like pasolini movies that is the look of like um of like those period pieces is brown and mm-hmm. i mean i remember like even like when i think of like uh monty python and the holy grail it's like it looks like a european like um uh, robin and Marianne or type of movie like it looks like a period piece and that's like they wanted to look that way and then it's like absurd mm-hmm. that they're doing a comedy set in a movie that looks that way so i say sucks <laughs> to that comment yeah i kind of i i do agree with you hmm. that guy sucks yeah that guy sucks oh man so this is like a really long episode rj this is one of the longest ones ever, and it's not even because we talked about the movie that much. No, we talked about so many things. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we're let's end it there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. After the break, we're going to wash up. Uh, you know, it's been it's hot up in here. It's smoky. Got a lot of, you know, ash in our faces and mm-hmm. sweating our balls off here. Oh, um, goodness. Yeah, after the break, uh, I don't know. Get crucified. That's nice and obvious, right? That sounds okay for me, though. RJ, uh, if you were crucified, what crime do you think it'll be for? Um, being too damn cute, baby. Mm-hmm. Well, or actually, oh. is actually no. It'd probably be a toilet-related crime. That's that's more accurate. You are the funniest person <laughs> I know, RJ. I know. <laughs> You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us what you find funny, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. Maybe SoundCloud might not exist like in like two months. So uh, We'll find a new home. We'll have to figure that shit out. Uh, so if you, yeah. there's any classic episodes you want to save, you better go get them because I've been looking at the alternatives and it's like, oh, I have to upload how many fucking episodes at what size? Good God almighty. Um, sorry, SoundCloud. Uh, but you can download us on Stitcher, iTunes, and whatever the fuck. Right. Next week, spine number... 62 <gasps> we're watching like another movie about like a sort of like semi-religious figure uh getting mm. killed uh by people who don't understand because we're watching Whoa. passion of joan of arc 
Ooh, neat. Spoilers. I've never seen that. Directed by Carl Theodore Dreyer from 1928. We are going silent. Nice. And I think that is the first silent movie in the collection. Nice. I'm pretty stoked. Pretty sure it is. Oh, RJ. Uh, I watched this movie a few years ago, and this movie yeah. is like, I don't know, maybe one of the best movies ever made. So I've heard, st- I've heard. Stoked you should be. Anyway, yeah. folks, we're out. Sorry for gabbing so long. Hopefully you love George Romero as much as we do, or at least mm-hmm. me. And hopefully you like Lev O'Brien as much as me. And we're the same hopefully. person. We're all the same people, yeah. me, and we all the same opinions. So that's what I've learned today. Individuals. Yep. We're all individuals. Oh.